I do have a question though, and you can cut this out if you want. But if a one is an upper decker, where would <laughs> what's a blumpkin? <laughs> do you not know what a blumpkin is? Or... No, I know what it is. Oh, I want to know what kidding. number. I want to know what number it would be. <laughs> well, if I find a girl who's willing to give me a blumpkin, you know, <laughs> and I'm drunk enough, I'd say it's a good six. You know. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. I don't even know how to respond to that question. <laughs> Jesus. Another episode of the Cinnamon Beach Podcast. I am Gary Hill, one of your hosts, and with me, as usual, is Mr. Jeffrey X. Martin. Hello, room. How are we doing? Fine, sir. How are you? I'm I'm well. <laughs> That's good, man. And with this one, uh, she can be here, and she's not, you know, telling folks to get their own goddamn towels, is uh, the one, the only, Jamie J. Sammons. How are you? Hello, sexy bitches. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that's so. A little, that's a little tribute to the bass. That's okay. <laughs> I am, I'm, but not nearly as good as the, as all that he does. But um, uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm excited to be here, and um, yeah, we're. This is going to be an interesting discussion. I think. Mm. Yeah, because when I was, I think. When I told Jay what we were watching, you know, for like the third time, she goes, "Are those real movie?" I forget that it's not like those real movies. I said, "I said you made that up." I made that up. Yes. <laughs> it's like, no, I didn't. Bob, did it. Damn it! And with us, I think he kind of inspired the show with his big Gialli boner for in that those seventies shows, and that boner is immense. Trust me, for those Gialli movies. We are not doing Gialli movies. You're doing or Bob. just in general. Just in general. Oh, damn. But. <laughs> You know him from the podcast under the stairs, and God knows how many projects he has going. I'll tell us about all of them, I'm sure. Mr. Duncan McAleese, how are you, sir? If you see. What's that, sorry? Oh, shit. You just made my life. This is Rod Stewart cast, isn't it? That's what we're here to talk about, Rod Stewart songs. All I see is Mike Myers licking his finger. I was going to say, I was going to say that was a, you almost nailed that Mike Myers impression, but you need to sound a little more Scottish. (laughs) I I, I do a great job of sounding like that Canadian sounding like a Scottish. Please, please close out the show with hot legs. (laughs) I'm doing very well. Thank you very much for having me here. Oh, always, man. It's been a while. It has been, has been, and um, and 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 what I show you chose to bring me back on. Well, I, I got to make it fun, man, and stupid at the same time, you know. And 
If I'm not torturing Jamie with bad movies, I'm not doing my job correctly. Just there's there's some good ones mixed in there, and then I make her watch Money Train, and I think she wants to choke me through Skype, and you know. Yeah. That oh my god, that was some shite. Oh now, and Duncan knows how I is that the Woody Harrelson movie? Yes. Yes. Is it? Oh, that's that's not that bad a movie. Oh my god. We all all, it's not. We all disagree. We we all even Gary. Even Gary didn't love that movie, and I know, that is I never apologize for anything. I apologize for Money Train. You know, I, I, now, I clearly have like fond memories of seeing it first time. I can't remember it being that bad. Well, watch it again. Watch it again. Oh no! <laughs> Trust me. Trust me. Just watch it again. Now, and Duncan, you know how I love Bava, right? I you mean, do. oh, ah, oh, I love Bava. I do. So when Gary's like, we're doing a Baba episode with Duncan, I'm like, yes! I'm like, oh man, this is going to be money. I'm like, you know, you cannot go wrong. <laughs> yes, you can! Yeah, that's, well, that's, in, in fairness, Jamie, that's, that's also how he sold it to me. <laughs> he's, like that, he's, like, he's like, you like Baba? I was like, I love Baba, Gary. And he was like, you know what? Maybe we could do a couple of, and he suggested him. I was like, these are titles I've not seen before. I can't wait to do this because I know that Bava's got a wealth of like other genre stuff that he's done that I've never seen. I cannot wait to watch this. And then they came through. And to be honest, when when the title, uh, you know, Doctor Goldfoot came through, I was like, this is kind of. But he did some goofy movies. This could be fun. Um, yeah, um, I, I I reserved the right to to hate on this movie later on. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's see if there's anything else to hate on. I'll ask uh, Duncan, what have, you yes. been watch- what have you been watching lately, man? Um, well, I've just come off like this huge like kick of 70s horror movies. Um, so I'm kind of trying to cleanse the palate just now by trying to watch anything else. Uh, the most recent thing is I've started my 31 of, uh, of October, kind of thing that a lot of horror people do and a lot of non-genre people do as well, try and cram 31 horror movies in over the month of October I do one a night and I only do specifically movies that have come out in the year that I do my list uh, that way it gives me plenty of movies to whittle down at the end of the year to make a top 20 list. Oh you're killing two birds with one stone that's a good idea. I always do it that way Jamie plus because you like you know what it's like you do a podcast you tend to watch older movies because that's what you end up reviewing and as a result most of the stuff that comes out during the year you just don't get a chance to to give proper time or attention to so um we are already two days deep into to that list and i've seen um a cure for wellness which i watched last night um which i did not hate like apparently everyone else did not me not me i love that movie i loved it loved it I thought I thought it was really really good. In fact, yeah. I, I would go as far as to say one of the most visually stunning movies in yes. the genre I've seen this year. I thought it was. I like, absolutely adored it. I didn't. I know that it was. I know it was too long. I get that, but I didn't care because I was enjoying the hell out of it, and just I loved looking at it. I couldn't stop looking at it. It was so pretty. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, and I was excited when X. Got around to watching it, and I was just like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. And then he said, no, I loved it. And I'm like, oh, thank God. Somebody else. Because uh, generally, generally I can count on him. Like, you know, he's, um, you know, like he had my back with Pretty Thing. Um, <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, I thought, um, I thought it was like, like I say, I don't know. 
I remember when it came out and it took a bit of a battering um, from from critics and from, yeah. from the internet. And um, yeah, I don't I don't get it at all. I thought performances were super strong. I would agree it probably is a bit too long, but when you are spoiled with the visuals of that movie, mm-hmm. you know, I, I will happily watch another half an hour of that. You know, I, I would maybe be complaining about if I wasn't if I wasn't engaged with what was happening. Um, so yeah, I thought I thought it was really good. And then the day before that, I caught the new Mike Flanagan affair, uh, Gerald's Game on Netflix, which me and Jamie are going to talk in a bit more detail on teapots. I will say this: uh, I thought it was great. I've never read the source material, but um, I thought it was great. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I thought performances excellent. Um, Flanagan's editing is on point, um, and it's kind of because I'm. I read a lot of Stephen King when I was younger, and maybe mid nineties, I kind of went off reading his stuff. And I know he's he's kind of hitting a bit of a, a, a renaissance just now. He's putting out a lot of stuff that people are raving about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never really got into like the Dark Tower series. So I like when I hear people say that you know all these movies, are, well, all these stories are connected, etc. I've never really cottoned onto that or kind of latched in or done any sort of investigation at all. Um, couldn't help but feel when watching it though that there's maybe some connection to Dolores Claiborne um, and the fact that there's both both those yeah, stories have an eclipse and molest- uh, molestation yeah. as well So, and it turns out that might not be wrong according to the internet there is a connection um, oh there so, is yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I need I need to do a bit I need to do a bit of research on that one. But yeah, I thought it was a, I thought it was a really good movie. So yeah, surprise, surprise, Mike Flanagan can direct. <laughs> he's he's a pretty Who good knew? <laughs> Everyone <laughs> will know when we do Shiflanigans. Yes, that's that's how we're pronouncing that, and not the other way. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fl- Flanagans. <laughs> it's Shiflanigans, which is easier to say, especially when you've had a drink. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was his idea. Mm-hmm. That's yep. <laughs> so yeah, so that's the that's the two movies I've I've seen lately, uh, and a lot of TV. I'm watching a lot of TV just now. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to check out uh, Room 104, uh, the HBO um, anthology series, like 20 minute episodes. No, um, it's it's fucking brilliant. Um, the Duplass brothers are behind it. Um, so basically, the premise of it is that it's set in the same motel room every single week but tells a different story every single week. And some of them are genre, some of them are not genre. They had a whole episode which was basically like a ballet musical, but with kind of like, uh, it was like with like Argento colouring in the background. It fucking blew my mind. Blew my fucking mind. Um, so it, it could be one of my favourite TV shows this year that no one's talking about. Uh, so that's Room 104. It's almost finished its first season. Um, and yeah, the, the Duplass brothers are excellent. <laughs> Like I, just uh, the fact that they managed to get some really great directors in there, some really good casting as well. Uh, Tony Todd for the genre fans uh, has a has an appearance, I think, in the third episode, and they even managed to, in my opinion, resurrect the, the career of James. Va- uh, is, it J- is James Vanderbeek, isn't it, from Dawson's Creek? Yes. Yep. He he has an appearance in the second episode, which is fucking amazing. So yeah, um, that's the show that everyone needs to be talking about that no one's talking about. Check that there out, man. I have HBO at the house here. Legally and all that good stuff, so... (laughs) Mm -hmm. Get on that. Jeff, what's up, man? What have you been watching? I've been watching a lot of stuff for Kiss the Goat. I don't want to get into it. Get into it later when we start pimping stuff. But the one thing that I have watched that I really dug was Savage Land, which I watched because Jamie told me to. Who did? You did. 
<laughs> so I immediately watched it, and it was really good. Yay me! <laughs> right? <laughs> you don't even know you did it. That's hilarious. <laughs> no, but it's kind of a found footage documentary thing <laughs> about... About this dude who allegedly kills a whole bunch of people, and they're gonna put him under the jail because he's he ain't from around here. He's an immigrant, but um, he took some pictures during the night in question that kind of tell a different story. It's really well put together, and it's really kind of provocative. And I dug it a lot. I thought it was just a lot of fun. Yeah, What's the name I, of this movie? I've never heard Savage of Land. It's on Prime over here, I think. Isn't that where? Or was yeah. it? Okay. Um, I, the, oh, man. To me, I, I, I think it's best if you don't know anything about it. Because the way the movie unpacks everything is perfect. I love the pacing. I love like how they give they feed you little bits of knowledge here and there. And we actually went into it knowing the backbone of it, thanks to Bo. Um, and I was like, <laughs> and so I'm watching it. I'm going, damn it, I wish I hadn't known. Because, I mean, it still was really, really good. And I still appreciate that he told me about the movie. But if I hadn't known anything about it, I think it would have been better. Just because it, um, I would have been discovering things, uh, you know, the way that the film intended you to. And, um it's uh it's yeah really really well done i highly recommend it it feels very um very authentically documentary to me it's kind of like lake mungo in that respect that in that it feels like something you'd actually see on television i think agreed agreed i look forward to checking it out well i'm glad you liked it good for you any else eggs nope oh wow all right well <laughs> Jamie. Well, let me tell you, I have been, I've been all over the place. I've been listening to a lot of Hello, It's the Doomed show. Um, oh my God, I just started listening to them too. <laughs> that a, a show that I absolutely love the oh, piss so, right so out of. Great. I cannot, really I cannot get enough of this show. I'm addicted to it. I can't get enough. So I'm listening to all these epi- like these back catalog episodes, and uh, they just put out a new one like Monday, and I was like, hot damn, because I haven't, you know, it's it's been a while. So, um, but the funny thing is, I'm also addicted to Short Bus, um, which is Ricky and Johnny, and they do Short Bus Cinema, and so they just do outright bad movies. And they had done an episode in a movie called Iced, uh, which is a slasher from 88, and it's available on YouTube. So they did it. It sounded funny. They warned me not to watch it, but I said, oh, no, no, that's not the one. Well, anyway, um, so I, w- I came home, and I made Brian watch it with me. And he's like, you are no longer allowed to pick movies based on short bus cinema. <laughs> Because that's the third one that I've made him watch from from Short Bus Cinema. And he's like, you have to quit it because th- these movies are bad. And I'm like, well, I know. That's the point. And he's, and he's like, no more. So um, <laughs> I have to watch them by myself now. But um, <laughs> so anyway, I watched Iced and it was terrible. And then after I watched it and I had already obviously heard the Short Bus Cinema episode, I found that way back... 
the Doomed show had done an episode on Iced. So I listened to that. And it was just really hilarious because at that point I had seen the film. So I knew exactly what they were talking about as they were going through it. And uh, that just made it, that just enhanced the whole experience. Um, what I have found is that I really love that because they mostly talk about movies I've seen already because they're like older films or whatever. And then, but they do some really cool. They do some some obscure stuff. They do a lot of Jello, which is is really cool. Um, they did X Ray, and nobody talks about that movie. Um, uh, well, to be fair. Well, and I actually think I actually think that's going to be spoiler. I think that was actually going to be Brian's choice when we get there for ABCs. So I don't know. I think I'm not putting words in his mouth, but I'm pretty sure. But um, <laughs> but um, anyway, we so they do stuff like that, and I'm I so I've been watching a lot of those, and I've been watching a lot of um things from Short Bus. Like I watched Abby again. I hadn't seen that since we covered it on Devour. Um, and then I have been watching a lot of '70s stuff because of Duncan's show as he's been going through. The 70s, um, I come home and I'm like, oh, man, I really want to watch Don't Look Now. Oh, and I really want to watch, you know, whatever, like Tourist Trap. (laughs) Um, And then, of course, we have now started our, well, then we'll watch Gerald's Game. And when that came out, because I've been, that's my, one of my favorite King novels. So I was really waiting. And Mike Flanagan, duh. So I was waiting for that. And then, of course, Halloween season started. So what we're doing this year for Halloween is we're doing, because every year we have a theme, and this year we're doing Passport to Halloween. So we're doing all foreign films, um, except for Canadian, because they don't count. But, um, Damn. <laughs> <laughs> You're the Doug Tilly, she's throwing the gauntlet down, Damn man. No, the Canadians count just fine, but the films, it's so... It, and there are actual, obviously, Canadian films, but the thing is, it's just so, so many of our, so many American films are filmed in Canada, and I mean, it's just, I don't know, and there's just very little difference, you know, we're mainly watching things that are culturally very different, you know, um, that just sounded really pretentious, but that's not what I didn't mean that, but, so anyway, like our first... Uh, we go back and forth, and we'd pick 30 because on Halloween, we have the same things we watch every Halloween, like Trick or Treat, Trick or Treat, Halloween 1 through 3, Jacko, which is my personal choice, and Brian makes me watch by myself, mm-hmm. um, WNUF Halloween special, things like that. So, Do you not watch Satan's Little Helper? That is our Halloween movie of choice. Do you know I have actually never seen that? I keep meaning oh, to watch Jamie. it. Jamie, Jamie, I only saw it for the first time last year, and um, it's fucking great <laughs> i keep not i keep forgetting about it i keep meaning to watch it because it was on netflix for a long time i don't know if it still is but i kept intending to and never got around to it so i will do that this year um okay. i um so we take turns and we each get 15 basically my first pick was martyrs so we watched that and then brian's first pick was pulse so we watched that and then tonight uh is going to be the ugly which is my choice so Ooh, that's a good flick. Isn't it? That yeah. is a good movie. Yeah, and one that, again, no one ever talks about. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, that one is going to be tonight. And then, you know, we go on from there. And we make our list ahead of time. But 
Um, I don't remember. I never remember from day to day what it is. <laughs> Even the ones I picked. I I was like, what did I pick? Did I, is this Frontiers Night? And he's like, no, it's the ugly. And I'm like, oh, okay, that, that sounds good. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so there's that. Uh, we watched. We started watching the new season of The Exorcist. <clears throat> and it's interesting because they have abandoned the whole Gina Davis thing. Like, that whole plot line is over. So now we have this kind of road movie with the two priests during half the show. And then, oh, because we've only been through one episode. The second half of the show is, like, um, is John Cho, um, who is, like, running this orphanage thing. But that's actually, to me, the more interesting part of the show right now. I'm really loving his character. I'm digging his whole thing with the kids. And, you know, spooky stuff's going to happen, you know, but, um, and so every time it flashes back to the priests, the characters I do know, and that I'm uh, acquainted with from last season, I get distracted. And I'm like, give me back to the, I, I want the other stuff. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm really actually enjoying the other stuff more. And I, I assume they're going to converge at some point, but um, this only being the first episode, I don't quite know how that's going to be yet. Um, but now, do you think that you they know. abandoned the Gina Davis thing because of the, the no hope at all of getting Linda Blair on the TV show? Oh, I don't, I don't I'm know. Sorry. I think it's because they didn't think they were going to get renewed. That's what, yeah, that's exactly what Brian said when we were talking about it. And I, I, I think that's probably it. They're probably like, what do you, what? Oh, shit, now we got to do something, you know? Yeah. And they hadn't gotten Gina Davis for a second season because they weren't ready for that. Um, Man, I love the first season like of that, that show. I can't oh wait my to start that again. God, oh my God, it was so good. And when so they dropped that, when they dropped that bomb, yep. you know? I was like, what <laughs> the shit? I was, whoa. I mean, I, it's, I had not had something surprise me like that in a TV show in a very long time. Like, it was really good. So, um, You talking about the Gina Davis being who she was, Bob? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so that was, that was badass. But, but Linda Blair did not show up, though, in that season? I, I no. didn't. I didn't finish it for for no for no for no good reason. Just I didn't go back to it for for no good reason. No, she's rescuing dogs. She doesn't want anything to do with the exorcist. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. I feel about her, but you know, unfortunately, I'll have, have to go meet her again in November because you know, dogs or whatnot. You know? Right. 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 I have to kiss her ass um, for, for, I guess for, for, for five I was going to say. I guess that's one good way to get stuff out of her is to appeal to that. Um, I have to kiss her ass for a good five minutes. That's going to be really hard for me. Because <laughs> I, I shit all over that woman all the time. I just I don't like to be bent over that long. Because she's, um, she's a bitch. I can't help <laughs> these things. Um, oh, I'm going to continue to pimp this until it, it catches. Um, people, please find a way to watch Mr. Mercedes. If you are not watching this show... You've got to watch the, this show. The Ovation Channel or something like that is called. Or? It is the it is the uh, uh, audience channel uh, or audience audience the audience network. Um, but um, there are other ways because we don't have <laughs> boot up that fire stick, people. Um, <laughs> but please do it because Brendan Gleeson is killing it, and and Harry Treadaway. Um, playing opposite him is is just so good, and I am loving every second of it. It's it's brilliant. I I can't 
I mean, just and Stephen King, of course, is having this huge, like Duncan said, he's having this huge renaissance right now. And it's just one thing after another that just keeps just bam, it's hitting bam. Bam, you know, and except for Dark Tower, um, <laughs> that was like the one chink uh, in, as in in the chain, not a racial slur. <laughs> uh, nobody thought about that. You said it, okay? Come on, now. yes, you did. I know specifically you did. <laughs> I um, <laughs> I'm just teasing you, um, but you know what I mean. Like everything he's been, everything has just been coming up king lately, and. This is another example in it, and I'm just afraid that people aren't going to see how awesome it is because they're, I mean, who, what the hell is the audience network, right? I mean, you know, everyone's got a network these days. Yeah, it's really surprised me because, um, like, it's, it's not got any release at all in the UK. And the fact that, you know, the cast, uh, Brendan Gleeson, who is no, like, right. that's not like a small name. That is a large name, like, in cinema. The fact that it would, like, lock him in and then put on a network which is notoriously difficult to <laughs> to to um, have heard of or, or get a hold of, um, seems really strange to me, especially with a King property, but then he he has had quite a few things out that maybe not necessarily this year, but especially TV adaptation-wise that have, that have not done well under the dome got cancelled. Yeah, that one, what's it? The, the Good Marriage, is that him as well? Uh, yes, I think so. Well, Under the Dome was not intended to be more than one season. It was supposed to be a mini series. They tried like hell to stretch that thing farther than it needed to ever go, and it just—I would. I mean, they should have canceled it. They should not have tried to to extend it because they did a really they did a real disservice to the idea behind that. And it was just ridiculous by the time we got into like the second and third season and it had only been like two weeks and I'm like, what the hell is going on? Um, and of course the mist got canceled. Yeah, the mist is, I've not even watched that yet. So, but I've heard Mr. Mercedes is really good. So I, I need to hopefully it is, uh, it's, you know, it, it. kind of, I feel when I'm watching that, I kind of feel the same way I felt. And it's not the same. It's and, and, and don't anyone come at me for this because I'm not saying it's the same kind of show or the plot or anything. But I'm saying I feel the same way I felt when I was watching the first season of True Detective. Like that's how that's how engrossed I am in what's going on. Um, and then and but it's like the, there's another show that we love called um, Hand of God. And it was an Amazon Prime original show. And I'd never heard anyone talking about that either, but it has, um, oh, Beauty and the Beast, Ron, uh, you know what, he's done so many other things since then, but for some reason that's how I think, Ron Perlman is what I'm trying to say, but I couldn't say Hellboy, you know, I couldn't say anything that anyone would remotely know what I was talking about, I had to pull out something from 1482. I watched watched Beauty and the Beast, (laughs) I watched that. Okay, good. Um, but anyway, Ron Perlman is in it, um, and actually several other people. And it's it was an excellent show. Nobody ever talked about it, you know. And it's just it kind of hurts my feelings because there's so many things out there. It's hard to keep up. And I'm just going on and on. They're just trying to stretch. What did you up? watch, Gary? What, what did I watch? <laughs> I, I finally saw that clown we were. Everybody's talking about that that it movie. And oh yeah, you were talking smack too. I was trying not to, but let me tell you, I, I wasn't bored, but at the same time, I wasn't feeling it either. But I tend to like movies better when I watch them at home. 
but the, the the whole idea of an R-rated horror film is to 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 shock. You know, I'm not saying like, here's the movie, here's the movie, folks. Now suck my dick. No, I'm not asking for all that. I just asking for you know, not not so much lazy writing when it comes to these kids. Just okay, we give these kids foul mouths. So here's your R rating right here. But aren't, but aren't the, the in fairness to that though, the kids have pretty foul mouths in the book. Yes, I have read like, the yes. really really foul mouthed in the book. Mm-hmm. Actually, in fact, it's, it's the worse. movie doesn't necessarily yeah the movie doesn't necessarily do credit to how foul mouthed the kids are. But um, I, I think it took away. I think it took away though from you know the clown doing his thing, because it was just a lot of CGI shaky face, and I'm not necessarily a fan of that, and I, I was in it, I was in it, yeah, I, I, I liked it, if I had to give it a, a a rating, it'd probably be like a like a 7.5 out of 10, All right. it just was too much stuff that took me out of it, but like I said, if I watch it home, I, I might like it better, mm-hmm. I was expecting X2 to, to uh, like jump all over, well he didn't see the movie, I don't think, but um, the part where they're literally floating in the air in the sewer, you know? I, I compared it to Carousel and Logan's Run, which later on oh, I'll, I'll make another Logan's Run. Impre- uh, <laughs> I'll make another Logan's Run, run uh, later when we do the Hercules review, just because. But um, they're flowing in there. It's like I think of, but at least, at least those, folks, those kids got to renew. You know, they, they eventually. But you know, the other folks, there is no renewal. Just population control. You know, watch Logan's you know, Run. Watch Logan's Run. It's a better movie. You know, it's, it, it kind of is though. But you know, that's just me talking shit. But, um, I had a foul mouth as a kid, but you know, nothing's <laughs> fucking changed, so <laughs> I saw the I saw the second Kingsman movie. It 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 was it was fine, you know. It it wasn't Aww. I was just I was saddened by the reviews I saw of that because I wanted I was so excited See, about that movie. Not that I'm wanting to not that I'm wanting to go out my way to to spark up any sort of um arguments on this show. To me, The Kingsman is a movie which uses CGI to a ridiculous level, yes. which is almost to the level of unbearable, and is deliberately going for a shock factor. So why does it not get a pass, and Kingsman get a pass? Well, this is a cheesy action picture. It doesn't pretend not to be a cheesy action picture. It's, yeah, but but it's a genre movie. It's a horror movie which was made for $35 million. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine The Kingsman was probably made for comparables. So, I don't no, think it, I don't I mean, think it even, made it I don't think it made his, money, made his money back either. So yeah, yeah, even 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 the people behind it didn't expect that movie to take in the amount of money that it has, and I think people are now being overtly critical of that movie because it took in so much money. See, I, I, I'm not that person, but I think that you, you're wrong in a sense on the, that first part because you already kind of had that built-in audience of of the parents of these 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 children that are probably taking their kids to go see this movie that seen it in 1990, scared the shit out of them, and said. Let's go see this new one and see if I can scare the shit out of my kids. But but, you, but what you're saying is though that think about it comparable to how many people have went to see it, and then compare that to the TV movie. I just don't think that's right. I just I, I genuinely don't think. I mean that movie just topped the the box office again uh, after taking a week out. It's mm. come back and topped it again. It took in another like sixteen or seventeen million. Um, over over the last weekend. To, to be fair, the I biggest think, movie that's out is the Ninjago Lego movie, Duncan. Too. <laughs> but I just I just don't I just don't see that. I don't think. Listen, there is no way someone sat down at New Line Cinema and said we're going to put it in that movie and it's going to make over five hundred million US dollars. No, I, would, I wouldn't and think that so. That conversation never come up, and I think that people 
I genuinely think if, if you look at the crest, and I'm not I'm not putting you in this this at all, Gary, listening. but if you look if you look at the crest of reviews, the movie comes out, people are really excited, people really like it, and then it gets to a certain point where a horror movie can't be too successful because when it becomes too successful, the genre starts to turn on it. And I, I don't understand that at all. It's a horror movie, it's a big budget horror movie, but even then, budget wise, it's it was a smaller budget than Conjuring Two, um, so I mean it's 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 a it's a big quote unquote horror movie release that comes into the cinema, and to me it was it was just it was a big dumb fun movie, and that's you know I think that maybe is where the legs have come from it, and that's why it's done so well, is that it's it is one of those weird freak occurrences that comes out every now and again in this genre where. It speaks and and grabs the attention of non-genre fans. Listen, I was I've seen the movie twice at the cinema, and both times I've seen it, I have literally seen people jump off their chairs. And there are people that you can tell never go and see a horror movie mm-hmm. ever because if they generally did, that you know they'd be shitting themselves all the time. And it appealed to that because I think just generally word of mouth has been very good about the movie. But I think people are. Like, as yeah, it's got a lot of CGI in it, but uh, that's the nature. It's 2017. No one should be surprised when CGI is used in a horror movie anymore, because very few movies do it practical. That's the surprise for me. The surprise is when I sit down and watch a horror movie, and I'm like, did they just? Is that all practical effects? My God, you know what I mean? I I I just don't. I, don't, I oh, I'm not I expecting that. that. That's I mean, the, the, Rick Baker was kind of. I say he was half right. Yeah. That, 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 that there's not, there's not, there's not no work for you know practical effects people. I think he's half right on that because there's there's there is room. There's yeah. just not the, yeah, yeah. to the room that he would like to do where everything's you know the ingenuity's yeah, I, there. You know, I, yeah. All, all, my my only point is that I don't understand why movies and I've seen like some bad movies for Kingsman. I have read a lot of like fairly good reviews from like action websites and you know comic book websites and all the rest. Um, Praising Kingsman, but at the same time slapping down a movie like it for what seems to be the same reasons. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's too much CGI, and then you watch a Kingsman, and it's all fucking CGI. It's like, and it's it's stupid CGI, like really to the point where I'm like, I understand her. He's fucking, he fucking like, Julianne Moore had robot dogs in that movie, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, fucking that's robot my, dogs. <laughs> That's that's my, my, my only point is that I think, like, for some reason, like, out of the two genres, I think horror is supposed to be more fantastical, um, but then people just seem to, to give, like, action movies or comic book movies a fucking pass these days. They um, do, and they do. And a horror movie becomes, you know, successful and starts doing, like, over 100 million, then everyone all of a sudden wants to scrutinise, and once again, I'm not saying you, Gary, but... No. Everyone wants to suddenly scrutinise these movies what? to the nth degree, and they're not supposed to be scrutinised to the nth degree. I just, I, just, I, mean, I just, like, I watch movies. Like I, I watch movies better that. at home. I, 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 I do every time. Like, there's movies now that like, I'll say I, I don't love this movie, this it movie. But l- let's say you know the, the day I get it on digital and I watch it on my in the comfort of my own home on my 50 inch mm-hmm. 4K TV, you know, and it's just me and the screen. I may be more drawn into this movie than I ever thought I would ever be, you know. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, but you know, other movies like the, the only reason why I enjoyed the first Conjuring is because I had a very urban audience in the crowd, and there was a lot of 
oh shit, you know, shit like that, you know, a lot of that. That's the only reason why I enjoyed the first Conjuring, because of all these voices going around, and you know, sometimes it's needed to have that, that, that atmosphere, you know. We don't get that over here, I'm so envious. Oh man. The, the worst you'll get over here is, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> that's that Scottish urban humour. Or Duncan, uh, Duncan going, oh, I've dropped my juice. <laughs> uh, uh, oh no, I've dropped my juice. <laughs> you know, I will never fucking forget that story. Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Famous last words before I pass out in this. <laughs> oh, I've dropped my juice. <laughs> I've dropped my juice. <laughs> I, I still, I still want to pull the sound clip from from the. The zombie comedy show we did all those years ago. Uh, I, I'll never forget the line. Uh, I think it was, don't you, be, don't you be talking about my, my muffins or something like that? And uh, I, can't, I can't say it like you, but I'm going to pull it one of these days. I'm going to like, make it a ringtone or something, you know. That appeared um, That appeared up recently as a memory. So we're about, what, four years? Yeah. Um, on from that recording. That was a great recording, man. You, you guys introduced me to Fido. I love that movie. That's yeah, wonderful. On a ridiculous level. It is wonderful. Yeah, but The Kingsman was okay. Not as good as the first one, but it's good to know that Julianne Moore could still give me, you know, the high hard one when she wants to. And, you know, (laughs) she's still looking pretty good these days, if not better. You know, she's like a fine wine for me. And, you know, she plays a supervillain in that movie that is ripe with the 1950s, and she has robot dogs, and uh, it's, it's, it's really silly. Channing Tatum is, is promised, but he's there, but he's not really delivered. But, you know, you, you'll get more of him in the next movie if this one does money, which I'm sure it'll sell a lot of Blu-rays, so it probably will do money. But, um, what else? Anybody, anybody else watch Cult of Chucky here in this group yet? Um, no one gets released oh, yeah. on Not yet. Netflix in the UK, um, I think, about two weeks' time. So. Yeah, the rated versions in, on Netflix. Yeah, got, I've also got the Blu-ray pre-ordered. So. We, got the, we got a screener. Of uh, to watch and for what Brian did, I say we, but it, you know, <laughs> um, but uh, so we watched that and also, um, Texas, the new Texas Chainsaw, uh, the Leatherface movie. The we got that a screener for that now. Anybody can watch that now, but um, mm-hmm. and I think Chucky is available as of today, right? Yeah, the rated version's on Netflix, the unrated okay. one is not. Oh, okay, so we've but yeah, we watched. Both of those, and I forgot to mention them. But, yeah. I've, I've heard a lot of folks bitching about this movie, and I just I just don't see it that them bitching about this movie because no, I enjoyed it. It was silly, stupid, gory fun, and if you can't get into it with, with the, the the new twist that's in there, that I'm not going to give away here. But there's a, I think it's a pretty neat twist that makes it kind of silly. But you know, this is probably one of the most more, more mean spirited entries of the series, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I've got one question. Hmm. Is Red Man in it? Red Man is not in it. And I didn't mind. Right, <laughs> sold, sold, fucking sold, sold. Right, I'm in. I'm in like Flynn. You don't need to worry. I'm, see, you see, uh, you say that now. Movie. That one day we'll, we'll cover how high Duncan. You come on that show if you want to, and you'll fall um, in love with Red Man. You know. No. <laughs> and, and no. <laughs> no. They're just. Uh, all right. Rest assured, there is a scene where he's talking to a crazy lady, and she and he actually says. She says something, you know, crazy, and then he goes, "Are you fucking with me?" <laughs> <laughs> I get that at work all the time. You know, people who are, are who I'm pretty sure have have smarts, but they're acting so stupid. You're wondering if they're fucking with you or not. I get that all the time at work. You know, 
Yeah, it was great. He's like, are you fucking with me? And I just, I, it, I'm dying. Because it was, it was great. And uh, I feel like the ending was a little abrupt and kind of weird. But, like, I wasn't ready for the ending yet. But um, I, I really thought it was, I don't know. I thought it was neat. I've, I've really enjoyed these last two, specifically. Some. This one's more lit, well lit than curses. I, I made that comment to somebody. Oh yeah, it's like it's a little more well lit than curses, so you get to see a lot more of the stuff, which includes a decapitation and a head crushing scene. That's awesome, you know. Yeah, the deaths are fantastic. That's I mean, gross. There's some, there's some really good gore in this one, and um, yeah, yeah. Plot moved along for me. I I really had a good time, and I see like three people online that like this movie and all the rest of them are like, man, this is the worst fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. I was like, well, you want to come on the show one time? I'll show you something far worse than this movie, you know? Yeah, God. <laughs> Maybe that's it. My my opinions have been tempered by cinema beef. Don't, don't, don't say that, okay? Don't ever apologize. <laughs> no, I'm not. I made, Duncan, um, I made Duncan watch Poultry Guys is all I'm saying. You know, it's... I, oh, God. I yeah. hate that movie. Yeah. I have actually said... I actually said Leatherface equals not crap. I mean, like, I, I didn't hate that movie. And now everyone's like, ah, that movie's crap. And I'm like, really? I didn't I didn't get that. Now, now, well, all right. We, we reviewed that on the Skeleton Crew, and it's coming out soon. So, you, you know, listen to that and then hear exactly what I mean. But, um. Yeah, it's like, that to me is like, no. <laughs> when someone says, you know, this movie's not crap. Well, meaning because I expected it to be crap. Um, oh, right. um, but, um, I mean, I did. I like. I was just like, yeah, it's going to be crap. Well, it wasn't crap. You know, I, there are things that I did not saying I didn't have any issues with it. And it's actually kind of funny uh, on Skeleton Crew. We all had issues with this movie. And we spend a lot of time talking about those issues. And then at the end, when it all comes out in the wash, none of us thought it was all that bad. <laughs> it was pretty funny. But... but that's that's a franchise though that really can temper your opinion of what actually bad is. You know, I it's mean, there's true. a few installments in there that are pretty bad. So, I mean, when you've got that as a baseline, um, you can afford to be a bit goofier. In fact, it's it's probably one of the goofiest franchises in horror, just in terms of like no continuity, that try and rewrite things about ten, twelve different times. Um, so yeah, I, I'm still kind of looking forward to it. If I'm honest, it's on my list, the thirty-one to watch. Um, I'll be interested to see what you think as well. Well, Doug, yeah. you, you know as well as I, as, as a horror, horror fans, as a community, do, do just what Jamie's talking about. To where they say, "Oh, I don't like the movie." Well, I kind of like it, and they're kind of like that that redneck group from South Park. Dicker Jams, Jams. They just start yelling, you know, like when you, when you, when you don't like something. And you, <laughs> they don't like something, you do like it, you know. Yeah, it's one of the few. It's one of the few genres out there where, like, legitimately, regardless how terrible the movie is, it will have a fan base somewhere. Yes, <laughs> I'm still getting shit for the Nightmare remake and Texas Chainsaw 3D. So you know, yeah, both I will. Bad movies, Jamie. And yeah, shush it, shush, shush it. I will never cease to get shit for those movies, and I know that, but I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Do your thing, kids. <laughs> Leave her alone. It's, it's my second favorite redneck line <laughs> next to uh, uh, Tucker Welcome and Dale. Welcome to Texas, motherfucker. <laughs> no, t- t- Tucker and Dale. 
He's crackling like a log. <laughs> college kids. College kids. I love the shit out of that movie. <laughs> oh. Little Evil was cute, done by the same guys that did Tucker and Dale. It was okay. I thought it was cute. It's on I mean, Netflix, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I mean, I just, it was cute. I mean, to me, it was like a cute version of The Omen. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> like, that's about the size of it, yeah. Yeah, it was like The Omen for uh, a family film. You know? <laughs> right, hey, I'm, I'm an Adam Scott fan, so. Me too. Just... I'm looking forward to Ghosted with Craig Robinson and Adam Scott. That's what I'm now, actually. I missed it last night. And, uh, yeah, I want to I wanna watch that. And we don't typically watch a lot of sitcoms around here. Like, we don't do comedies very much, but... Um, I am. I like both of them, and I think the the whole it could, you know, push its way into like maybe it'll be enough to where we could talk about our evil episodes. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to see if it'll fit. Yeah, I'm late to the party. Yeah. Lo- I'm sorry. I'm late to the party. Lies. I, I watched Annabelle Creation. We. I'll just do a quick rundown. It, oh. it, it, it was a lot of fun. Much better than the first, like everybody says. Yes. It gets extra points for Anthony LaPa- Anthony LaPaglia, in my opinion. Although mm-hmm. he, he didn't make it too long in that movie, you know, because funny fingers, you know, with CGI hands, you know, but that's fine. But it, it was a good story, you know. Anything you expect out of a ghost story like that, good times, that Annabelle creation. I enjoyed it. I saw another superhero film that I missed the boat on, too, Spider-Man Homecoming, which is uh, enjoyable. It's it's about two hours long. I think it's a little long, actually. But um, Michael Keaton's pretty great in it as... Uh, the Vulture, the bad guy. I'm not really sold on New Spider-Man yet. He's okay, but, you know, I, I think the shining point is, you know, they, they gave you a lot of throwbacks. Like, uh, in the 60s, he had, like, this this underwebbing underneath his armpits where he could fly like Rocky the Flying Squirrel. And you got a little bit of that in this movie. And uh, minimal Tony Stark, but a lot of happy Hogan, who's John Favreau's character in those Iron Man movies and in and, and the comic books. And I really enjoy Happy's character in... It's really funny in this movie, and yeah, that, that was good. But one more, I make a recommendation, because I'm going to review this, but I don't want to go too much into detail on it for my um, those October shows that sometimes happen, but I'm definitely going to review this, because I think it's out of his little known or whatever. Uh, 1977 British anthology film called The Uncanny, which, uh, as a lot of folks you know, uh, Wee Downey P, as, as Baz Collins in that movie. Uh... <laughs> Who else? John Vernon, Samantha Egger from um, The Brood is in that movie. Um, Peter Cushing, how could I forget? He's like one of the central characters in that movie. Because he, he's this guy who's a, an author who, who brings this book to this publisher to say, here's this, this, this book of all these accounts of murder that was done by cats, supposedly. He, he really hates cats for some reason. And at the end of the movie, uh... you find out why. But this is—it's three stories, and they, they run really good. Yeah, and they're really some are just fucking funny. Like like the the, the second one's like involves like witchcraft and a little girl, and of course you see this her cat. She's only she brings in there's these cat and these 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 books, and um, this black cat looks like he's up to some shit right away, and you you are not disappointed because there she has a bitchy cousin in the in the in the segment and. She gets really small, and it reminds you of The Incredible Shrinking Man, which I convinced Duncan to buy when it comes to Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. I, I, think Winter, I think Winter will love it, Duncan. I'm serious. I can't wait. I can't wait. But, um, yeah, and the, there's a, in the first story, there's, there's an old lady who has a whole bunch of cats. And 
she dies for, for, for a reason. I don't want people to watch this movie, but there's an inheritance involved. She gets killed, but she has like 40 cats in the house, and they start attacking the person that killed her. And it, let me tell you, the, the cat thrower, because you can tell these are actual cats being thrown off this balcony, hopefully out of something soft, deserves a fucking Academy Award to film their shit. Because let me tell you, it, it was uh, spectacular. So the uncanny sounds like a biopic of me. I don't, you, you would I'm, I'm going to share it with you because you would enjoy it. I think you would enjoy it quite a bit, and uh, it, it was delightful. So the uncanny from 1977. You could find it. I think it's uh, one of those harder to find ones, but something that you would hope like Arrow would pick up one day. You know, hopefully, fingers crossed. It's, it's not an amicus though, which surprised the hell out of me. But um, that's about all that I watched that I would. Choose. I have I have one more. I just need to mention it real quick. Go I did go it. see the Italian uncut uh, Suspiria. Yes, you did. <clears throat> on the big screen. I don't think I talked about it last time we recorded, but that was a really good time. The print was I feel not like as. I've heard you brag about that before. Was have it? I? Well, then <laughs> I'll shut up. On... No, no, I'm just kidding. I don't know what the hell I talk <laughs> about half the time, but I did get to meet I Ricky think it and Danny actually from came up on Teapot or not Teapot. I don't know. You met Ricky and Danny. I met Ricky and Danny. Oh, that's who. Never mind. I heard Ricky talk about meeting you. That's what it was. <laughs> Poor bastard. I apologize. That's all right. Yeah, but we met Ricky and Danny, and we met Jerry Herring and his girlfriend Reese and um, one of Danny's other friends. It was it was a good time, and it was fun to see that on the big screen for the first time. It was it was actually that mono soundtrack. They played it so loud, my heart rate changed. <laughs> it was bizarre but anyway yeah that was fun so i'm done now we can actually go on with the rest of the show oh when i watched curb your enthusiasm the premiere it was fucking hilarious yes <coughs> i jamie jenkins that oh jamie salmon's that one in the uh the curb your enthusiasm you're jamie you know, salmon's in the middle of a jamie salmon yes, that was, was already going on that was a known unknown there see and it's uh because i had to talk about it. it's been away for six years and i was it was like it's the ritz crackers of sitcoms that I'm a realist, but I tell you, I don't want fuck. I want to make love, and to make you wait, and you wait and wait and wait and wait. You just keep on waiting, you just wait, and finally, she gives you some, and it's the best you ever had in your life. You come harder than you've ever came. This was it. This was the feeling I've been searching for. I finally made love. You didn't make love, it just felt real good. You know why? Because you waited five months for it. <laughs> if you're starving and somebody throw you a cracker, you're going to be like this. God damn, that's the best cracker I've ate in my life. That ain't no regular cracker, was it? What was that, a saltine? God damn, that was delicious. That wasn't no saltine, no, that was, that was, that was, that was, that was a rich. That was a rich. That wasn't a rich. I said, God, that's the best cracker I've ate in my life. Can I have another one, please? Please, one more. Then you get married because you think you found the bomb, had the same crackers every day for a year, and you roll over one day and be like, hey, I just got some regular old crackers. <laughs> you try to leave? Hey! Ugh, never mind. But I... <laughs> Mic drop. Well, this will lead into our next segment, which is known as the Beef Bitches and Mashed Potatoes. Okay, who gets the burly uh, beef? I ordered barbecue beef. I think that's mine, but I didn't know to try it. Barbecue beef, mine's the Duke Deluxe. Okay, who gets the burly beef? I heard that. 
Duncan, I'll start with you, my my friend, my guest. Anything um, p- pissing you off this week, sir, in particular? <laughs> um, I, I kind of went on my rant. Um, yeah, the 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 now apparent uh, back turning of the of the horror genre on the successful movie it. So yeah, okay. I don't know. I don't know why it happens. Every every fucking movie, honestly, every movie yeah. that starts to be successful in our genre for some reason seems to arc a small percentage of um you just gotta give them about a week and then they start coming out and um yeah it happened it's, with get out it happened mm-hmm. with split mm-hmm. um it happened all with the movies it. have done really well yeah, yeah all the movies did really 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 well i mean and they'll they'll start saying ridiculous things like you know oh it was so predictable i saw like talking about get and like fuck you it was not yeah. Like we thought it was going to be predictable going in. Like we thought we had it figured out, and even like most of the way through. Now there's some things you kind of do figure out, but I mean, the the actual, like the meat of it, like digging down to the marrow of what's going on. There's no reason you should predict that. Like there's nothing that's telling you this is exactly what's happening here. So shut the fuck up. That's what yeah, I said. Definitely. I, I, I liked it, but I think I had more, more, more fun with Keanu just throwing it out there. <laughs> I don't know what it is. That Keanu. cat is cute as hell. <laughs> I, like so, so yeah. So there's that aspect. I'm just gonna like. I, I tend to be. I tend to present an a kind of aura of positivity on my show. That when I get a chance to speak on other shows, I tend to let a, a little bit of my, my my personal gripes with my genre spill out. Um, that's the first thing that's annoyed me this year is it's been probably the most successful year for cinema horror in a while right so we're yes so we're apparently now you know horror fans there are a group of horror fans that don't like that and they want the genre to exist purely for them and as a result make no money (laughs) and and drive production costs down so everything looks shit Um, so that's the first thing Uh, the second thing people telling me what a horror movie is this is my new favourite thing this year. Uh-huh. My, new fav- my, my new favourite thing is the sentence, not a horror movie, um, th- which seems to pop up everywhere. Uh, and it's, it's really fun. I like strangers I've never met telling me what scares me. Um, <laughs> it really, t- to- totally makes me happy. Um, and you, and then you, you go back with, well, it's subjective. No, it's not subjective. It's not a horror movie. Um Cool, which makes me think they don't know what the word subjective means. Um, but yes, that that annoys me. Um, and the the third thing, uh, the third thing and final thing, is uh, people blaming marketers for marketing a movie to them in a way which doesn't meet up to their expectations. So a great example of that one was uh, the new Darren Aronofsky movie. Yep. Uh, Mother. So, Mother, even if you look at the synopsis, it's kind of written up as if it's a home invasion movie. It's marketed that way. Um, you know, like I say, most of the synopsis uh, that appeared um, and, you know, well in advance of the movie coming out all had that kind of, you know, uh, you know, a couple living in an idyllic home are presented with two strangers and then their world changes. You know, which is, in fairness, what happens in the movie, um, but it's presented in such a way that it's, you know, this this home invasion movie, which it's not. Um, and people seem to be really annoyed by this. What these people seem to be forgetting is it's a Darren Aronofsky movie. Yes. I've never seen an Aronofsky movie where the, the 
there is just one linear narrative that happens from start to finish. Well, the wrestler. Go... Even, even, well, yeah, I suppose yeah, you're right. But the, I don't, the wrestler I don't like the is probably the most straightforward movie there was. I think it was. Yeah. yeah More I, so I than right. Noah? Oh, they, they, had, they had rock Noah monsters was, in Noah, you know. Yeah, Noah went batshit crazy. He, was like that. <laughs> he, he basically, at one point, I think he mistaken the fact that he was making a biblical uh, epic movie um, in favour of the new Mortal Kombat movie. Um, just like with <laughs> fucking... <laughs> straight up fucking bananas. Um, but yeah, so like... If you look at it, like it doesn't it doesn't do linear narratives. Um, he tends to go quite crazy. He's very arty. I love the people that were upset that it was a kind of arty movie, as well. I think that's hilarious. But yeah, um, I went to see it. I I would be hard pushed to say that I loved it because I genuinely don't know how I feel about it, and I really want to watch it again. I will say this though: as cinematic experiences went this year, it is the most unique. Uh, cinema experience I've had probably next to The Evil Within which I think is I actually think that movie's fucking crazy and wonderful but um, like, like Mother to me was just this really interesting, really daring really ostentatious, so over the top, just fucking assault on the senses and instead of people talking about that um, what people decided that they wanted to talk about was one, it's not a horror movie, which I would I would actually argue uh, there's, there was plenty in that movie which I think drags it into the genre for sure. But um, Aronofsky Mark, has always skirted that line. It's like Lynch. Know? Lynch does the same. Lynch will have like almost every Lynch movie has an element which kind of starts to drag it over, um, unless it's a straight light story which doesn't at all. Uh, but you know, um, most of them have that element. And I think Mother definitely has that element. But what what like that was the first thing, and the second thing, um, blaming the marketers for how bad the movie is, which I don't get at all. I, I genuinely don't get. Um, so yeah, apparently apparently you should believe everything marketers say. If that was the case, every single movie that I have seen that's a horror movie in the cinema in the last fifteen years should have been the scariest movie I've ever seen. Like, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. You, know, you know what I mean? It's like, it's yeah. selective. People are super selective with these sort of things. We'll happily go and watch, like, a movie like It, for example, and come out and, you know, say it's fucking great. And it was, and that movie was, I think, marketed in a way which made it more scary in the market than the movie actually was when I saw it. I just well, you, thought it was, you, you know, could You could sell a scary clown to anybody, though, to, to be fair. You know? Yeah, I, I, I just, I don't know how, I don't know how you market a movie like Mother. You can't. Wait, I, I, it, it, it wasn't playing much around where I live, so I couldn't go see yeah. it. So, well, the the same thing happened. Cabin in the Woods suffered from marketing, mm-hmm. uh, and there was just no way to market that movie without fucking it up for you. Um, it comes at night. Had marketing issues. Uh, another one this year that did. People were complaining about the witch. You know yeah. the way the witch was marketed, and. Um, it's just there's always going to be yeah that which was like the which was a really weird one because like i remember hearing a lot of people like on on facebook complaining about the trailer for that movie and going no the trailer for that movie accurately represents what that movie's like and then i saw the u.s trailer which is completely different from the uk trailer the uk trailer was this kind of subdued oh i don't think i've ever seen it yeah, very, very representative of what the movie is, and I, I shoved on the fucking the American one, and all that was missing was the electric lead guitar solo. 
It's like, ah! <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is this? I think and, the UK has a better understanding of folk horror like that. There's more of a history of that in the UK than there is here. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Um, there was a huge, there was a huge, uh, there was a huge amount of that over here for quite a while. And even movies like, um, like something like Kill List, which very much harks back to that. Um, and there's a whole wave of that stuff coming out now. I would highly, I'm going to Jamie Salmon's this bit here. I would highly recommend a movie called The Ghoul, um, which is this weird kind of police movie, maybe um, occult movie, possibly. A movie that JFX Martin might actually adore, maybe. <laughs> um, so it's it's called The Ghoul, and it's directed by um, I believe the guy was one of the DPs for Ben Wheatley. So it has that Ben Wheatley aesthetic through it, and it's very much got Alice Lowe in it as well. From, oh, uh, I'm in. <laughs> Sightseers and Prevent. She has a not a huge role, but she is in the movie, um, and it's it's super fucking weird. But yeah, so yeah, that's that's my gripes, Gary. My gripes are the genre that I love, uh, which feels the need to to one hate itself when um, it gets too popular or too big. Uh, feels the need to lecture its own people as to what constitutes a horror movie, and feels the need to blame marketers uh, for for their poor their poor choices at the cinema. Yeah, so there we go. <laughs> Well, to, to, to be fair, if you see the poster for for, for Mother, you, can, you walk into the theater, you're expecting Rosemary's Baby from the carbon copy poster that they made for yeah. Mother. And well, once again, not the poster that's in the UK. The poster okay. that's in the UK is this kind of very artistic, almost looks like a kind of, a, it could be like a Michelangelo painting of... Um, Aren't you the, fucking fancy? Yeah. <laughs> We didn't get that. It's Jennifer Lawrence's face, and it looks like it's been it's been painted, um, and it's it's a very pretty poster. And then I saw all the posters for the American one. And I was like, yeah, that's not right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's not cool. Um, but yeah, once again, we get the bullshit Rosemary's Baby ripoff, and you get the fappening. That's not fair. <laughs> the fappening. <laughs> She does get her tits out in that movie. It was it was one of those moments where I was like, "That if anyone complains about the about this movie, man or woman, there are issues <laughs> that should bring us together as a as a world that accepts the love of beautiful boobs." Oh, J Law's boobs. I'm moving on to that too. Jeffrey X Martin, what is your 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 beef, sir? What is your what's your gripe up, man? You know, my beeps are pretty much always the same. I wish people in America would stop fucking shooting each other, and I wish my rock and roll heroes would quit dying. Yeah, mm. we'll talk about that later, man. Trust me, because I might weep a little bit, you know. <laughs> fucking people dying. Man! Gotta cope. Oh, man. And the L, sir. Nah, that's it. That's like my... Those are my Christmas wishes, man. You know? <laughs> Fair enough. Jamie? Um couple of things this week. I'm mean, not anything huge, I guess, but one, um, rest in peace to Hef. I, that seriously broke my heart. It really did because everyone loves to throw around the word misogynist. First of all, liking to look at naked women is not equal to misogyny. So I wish people would understand the meaning of that word and use it properly because they're pissing me off. Um, there are misogynists, yes, and some of those misogynists are involved in the porn industry, yes, but they're not, they're not the one and the same. And 
people love to completely forget everything that he did that was good. And that is that he was a huge champion of civil rights and gay rights and free speech. And he had the first woman of color in his magazine in 1965, gave the first cover to a woman of color in 1969. And if anyone forgets, that was a big fucking deal in the 60s. And not many people would have had the guts to do it. He had a TV show in the 60s that he wanted to have performers of color including Aretha Franklin on the show and Southern TV stations pulled it because they didn't want to have people of color on their TVs. And he said, fuck you. I'm doing it anyway. Not many people would have had the guts to do that. Everyone likes to just smash him because he's, he was so sexist. Well, you know, he couldn't hang on to a marriage. That's fucking true. I'll admit that, but he never pretended that he could. And the fact is he did a lot And he was out there, and he was very progressive, and he had a lot to do with our sexual revolution, which I'm kind of grateful for. And all of these chicks out there who are complaining about him, and then simultaneously, and I've seen it, simultaneously bragging about the boudoir photos that they've just had taken. Where the fuck do you think that came from, and why do you think it's a thing? So I... I just, it irritates me that people want to boil him down to boobs, and that's it. Because... You know, yes, he had the grotto. Yes, he had these parties and he went to work in his fucking PJs. But look into it, people. He did more than that. And I, he meant a lot to me. And he meant a lot to generations of guys who would dig through their their dad's garages every month to find the latest issue. Who would pass it around amongst their friends for whom it was a rite of passage who would stick them in the fucking fort behind their houses so other kids could find them. Guilty. I mean, this was a thing. And it may not be politically correct now. It may not be proper. And and maybe it's not the way to raise your man now. But you know what? That was a thing. And it meant something. And honestly, it still means something to me. I still have a subscription to that magazine. Every month I read the articles aloud. To Brian, we enjoy the pictorials together, and I'm not ashamed of that. I love that magazine. I love that man. So I'm very sad to see him go, and I really wish people would stop saying things like he never put women of color in his magazines because you're full of shit. Look at look into it before you open your mouth. Secondly, hey, this, this is a funny question I'm gonna ask real fast. This might be for the Ben. You ever find the, have the legend of finding porn in the woods? Because that's happened to me before. Just finding random porn in the woods. You know. Yeah, every I think every yeah, guy has done that at some yeah. point. Yep. In the UK, um, for some reason, at golf courses, usually in black plastic bags. Golf courses. Well, you know, the day after he died, my local radio station had people calling in with their like Playboy stories, and like things like you know the first time they saw one was when their dad took them to the barber shop, the same barber shop that their grandfather had gone to. They your dad had gone to. They'd gone to, and they would see it, and they you know they'd want to reach for it, but they'd be afraid to, or like you know they would find him in the garage or whatever. But several of the guys had stories like they would find just giant boxes or bags of playboys. And then they would then pass them, like put them somewhere where they knew someone else would find them so that they would keep going. And this all originated from Patton Oswalt's tweet regarding his death, which was like, you know, in the <laughs> which was in the, um, Oh shoot. In the spirit of Hef's request, his corpse 
His corpse will be laid to rest. I'm paraphrasing here, but his corpse will be laid to rest in a fort in the woods so that it may be passed around. And, you know, basically that was the idea behind it. But I, I kind of um, like this idea of, um, of, of, of you know, like someone from Japan coming across uh, and experiencing this, like in America or the UK, and then going back and then writing Ringu. You pass it on. Um, <laughs> Where'd that ghost come from? From pouring in the woods. That's where that ghost came from, okay? Yeah, I mean. That's the plot of the witch, right? They found uh, porn in the woods. <laughs> yes, that is. Yeah, I believe. I believe it is. You gotcha. know, um, and you know who the fuck didn't try to watch the Spice Channel when it was you know split in half, top on the bottom, bottom on the top, fuzzy as hell. You know, um, I know just about everyone I knew did when when I was younger, when I was a kid. It was curiosity. Is it a, was is that a nipple or an elbow? Know, I can't tell. It no. was. It was growing up. <laughs> And right, exactly. You don't know, but it sounded good. Um, <laughs> it was, you know, it was curiosity. It was growing up. It was, uh, it was a rite of passage, and that was just how. I don't know. It was. I don't think it's anything at all for men to be ashamed of, and it makes me fucking sad that I know a lot of men who didn't want to say anything. Um, even though they had these memories from when they may not have looked at one in 30 years, but they had these memories from when they were young and they wouldn't, they didn't want to say anything because they were getting lambasted for it, for being a sexist. And you know, that's bullshit because this is, these are, these are memories from when you were a kid and there's nothing fucking wrong with that. And there's no reason to be embarrassed of it. And that's the one thing, God damn it, that Heft didn't want us to do is to be embarrassed of our sexuality. And somehow we are again, and I don't get it. So, there's that. Also, I'm tired of people fucking every time, every time Martyrs comes up, somebody slaps out the, you know, oh, it's just fucking torture porn. No, it's not. Willis. Will you stop? <laughs> Will you stop it? Like, that's, I just watched that movie Willis. again. I know it is. It totally is. And I, and I know he's listening. Um, <laughs> but it's not. Like, I just watched it again. And I want to tell you, it was way less graphic than I remembered it being. Like, I had these vivid, vivid images of them actually flaying her, of you seeing skin flaps come off. You don't see anything. And I was like, shit. Like, that was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre effect in full effect. You know, like, it was, um, I, I had all these graphic, gory images, and they weren't there. And so, but it was still a fa- Also, the torture part of it is actually really much shorter than I remembered it being. The first part of the film is way longer than I remembered it being before we get to that part. So it was just, it was, my brain had it all way worse in my head than it actually was. And I watched the unrated version. So it, um, and it was still really effective. And God damn, was it done well. It is a really well-made film. It, is, it looks amazing. And I was actually nervous because I haven't seen it in years. And I was thinking about movie, other movies that were made around that time and all the editing choices and the color choices that were going on around that period. And I was like, oh man, is this going to be ugly? And absolutely not. It is really, really pretty. So um, mad respect. There's like a whole um, four four years in French cinema around the time that Martyrs came out and like all those movies are just I don't know what was in the water over there that <laughs> but yeah. like honestly almost all those movies are just if they're not just incredible 
like genre movies, they're they're really thought provoking. <laughs> like regardless what you think of them, even if yeah, they, I mean they, they might be bloody them. as fuck, but yeah. you know, I I, I really feel like ones. Is, isn't thing, it though. weird? Like Inside yeah. blows that movie away as far as mm-hmm. blood goes, you know. Um, now it does. It is pretty bloody, but it's not. It, this this is the thing to me. If something is to be labeled torture porn, I feel like it needs to be gratuitous because hence the porn bit. You know, um, if you see sex in a film and just a regular film, um, it may or may not have something to do with the plot, and I wouldn't necessarily call it gratuitous. You know, but you know. Sex in porn yeah. is pretty much gratuitous. I mean, that's the only reason you're watching it. Yeah, t- torture porn to me, the the definition of it is to is to on some level is to titillate the audience with torture. Exactly on the screen. You exactly. know what I mean? Martyrs does not do that at all. No, no one is sitting there. No one's sitting there um, enjoying wow. like, even remotely that girl get punched in the stomach repeatedly and starved. Um, Someone may be, but they have issues. Yeah, so it's, and I don't want I mean, to know it's, them. <laughs> if you, it, it's, it's just it's not done for that effect, and I think to lump mm-hmm. it in with that. And I wasn't aware that people called it torture porn. So they, oh god, um, yeah, it's it's you're it's you're just rampant. missing you're just missing the entire point of the movie. If that's if that's what you're focusing on, you you just don't get the movie. Well, this is the thing, and this is what I said to Brian. I'm like, you know, th- this is the the sort of film that what is what it is dependent. Uh, you, in order to get where she is at the end of the film, in order to understand, you have to go through this with her. You have to go through this entire experience and you have to feel the horror, the feel the gut punches. And I do like I like it's it's visceral. It's not enjoyable. I'm not going, you know, woohoo. You know, I'm I, it is hard. And but that's the whole point. I mean, someone could tell you, so this girl gets tortured, and then at the end, you know, she may or may not see see God. I mean, that does nothing, you know, in, in order to really experience or really have um, a, an idea about what, because everyone has a different idea of what she says at the end of that film. Like, everyone has their own theory. And in order to come to that theory, you have to feel it. And he created this film. And he fully knows what he did. We watched it with a with an intro with Logier. And he knows what he did. And he, he's like, look, if, you know, you can hate me if you want to. He's like, I'm sorry. I feel I need to apologize to some people out there. And some of you shouldn't be watching this movie. Um, <laughs> he's like, but I hope you will understand what I was going for here. I hope you will uh, go into it with um, the openness that I made it with. And that's the thing is, is you just you have to feel what's going on it's very visceral and it um i remember the first time i watched it uh, because of Bo. i i sat just stunned for probably 15 minutes after seeing the film i couldn't speak i i didn't and he was waiting for me to watch it and he's like call me when you're done and i was just like i, I can't i can't i can't I, I can't talk right now i mean i was processing and it took me a long time to process it and I don't see how you could just slap a label of torture porn on something that is that thought-provoking, you know, that that elicits that kind of emotional response. Because clearly that's, you know, that's a, on a different level. So, I mean, and some people will say, well, that's your opinion, and that's, well, I, yeah, whatever. I don't think I... 
I just don't think you can label it that way because it's it's not. And I don't think that that's up for debate. Fair enough. And to be, to be fair, Jamie, anything you want to watch these movies and we can call these Yoga Hosers Revenge because I will not watch these, these French extremist films without saying, hey, you want to do Martyrs in this movie? Because, you know, it's, it's not like not like, you know, I, I, I would not watch them because they're not good movies. Mm-hmm. It's just if I know I'm going to depress two hours after I watch it in advance, I can kind of turn it off, you know. And it's, 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 just, it's just my thing, you know. I mean, this is the first time I've watched it since it came out. Mm-hmm. This is the grand total second time I've seen that film. It's not something I, I watch I, a I lot, think, you know. I don't think... Like, certain movies, I'm like, everyone should see this movie. You know, there are certain movies as a prerequisite, I'm like, everyone should see this movie. I don't think everyone should watch Martyrs. No, I, I, I don't. I, I don't either. And, um... I mean, in terms of being, like, like a wholly unique kind of horror movie, yes. I think from that point of view, if you were really wanting to experience the, the kind of full breadth of what the of what the horror genre has, Martyrs is definitely in that conversation for sure. But I think if you're just wanting to watch a movie, I, I mean, I would be hard pushed to, you know, to say, you know what you should watch tonight? You should sit down and watch yourself some Martyrs. Um, you know, <laughs> no, and I've, active, I've actively steered some people away from it if I felt that they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't, appreciate it and not and it's not like they were stupid or anything like that it's just that i just felt like they wouldn't they wouldn't care to try to appreciate like it wouldn't be their thing you know and like some people you know just they won't like it and um they're gonna shut down you know they're not gonna those same people probably shouldn't watch aronofsky films i mean (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. You know, and it's because, and it doesn't mean they're stupid, it, or you know, they're not going to get it, or whatever. It just means that it's not something that they want to take the time or give the time to. You know, it's not. It's like me it's not with Marvel thing. movies. There you I, go. I, I, like, I, don't, you know? I don't. I you know, I sit and I watch some, and I just not for you. Else. Yeah, and I that's okay. And, yep, enjoying them, and I'm just like, I don't, I don't get it. And that's not, that's not me belittling what I'm seeing. It just doesn't connect with me. Yeah, and that's okay, you know. And if Martyrs isn't for you, that's okay. I think that's mm-hmm. totally fine. You know, I'm. I hope that people recognize that before they, you know, watch it and then regret it, you know, or whatever. But um, just don't because it is has some blood or it may be extreme. Slapping it with the label torture porn is doing it a great disservice, is what I, you know, because it's just, it's not the same thing. It's not fucking August Underground, you know, um, which I think is torture porn. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, torture. <laughs> just straight up to, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so, I mean, like guinea pig or fucking a lot of the toe tag pictures, you know, I can't get into that stuff. And it's, that's because I don't think there's really anything behind it. It just is, you know, it's just for the sake of being. And, you know, if you don't have an idea to present to me or give me something to think about, then I'm just not interested. I'm not thinking, you know, you're a bad person if you enjoy watching them or whatever. I, it's just that I require something to gnaw on when I'm watching a film, you know, I, most of the time. <laughs> anyway. Okay. I'm done. That's fine. God, I didn't know. The, the segment's running a bit long, and I don't care. But I'm, I'm here, and I'm going to make keep mine as short as possible. 
it's similar to what X was talking about with um, the shooting I, I assume he's talking about. The most recent one in Vegas, which is terrible, terrible thing. You hear more and more about it as days goes on, about how the guy's dad was on the FBI's 15 most wanted list when he was like 15 years old. So who knows what he was putting in this kid's head when he was younger. I just get really sick with how about you know, when something like this happens... Was it politically? Wait, motivated? when his when his dad was fifteen, or no, when the kid, when, when was, the kid 15? was fifteen? When he was fifteen. Oh, when okay. The shooter was fifteen. But um, are you really sick of folks? You know, just coming out in the media talking about the first thing they say was it politically motivated? You know, who did he vote for? And yada yada yada. Whatever happened to just playing batshit crazy? You know, it, yeah. it, it, it could be just that. You know, it could be unbalanced and just yeah, had this. Ability with a rifle to, to shoot long-range rifles out of a hotel window and kill a lot of people, you know it, it was very you could tell it was very, you know Pre-calculated and all that good all that bad stuff, you know, I almost said all that good stuff But there's nothing good about this a lot of folks got hurt a lot of folks died and you know a really ugly scene and uh I hate folks who and that fucking another one of my banes uh, she, She's getting to be up there with Linda Blair says me and Bialik who's uh, Amy Fair Fowler on The Big Bang Theory, and is I call her TV's Blossom, because, you know, my teenage years. Because she uh, was TV's Blossom. She was yeah. TV's Blossom. She just took this as an opportunity, to, and I, I shared this post, because she's a fucking bitch for doing this. It's like, oh, I know all this tragedy's happened. If you want to have a laugh, come watch her television show, The Big Bang Theory. It's on this night or something. I'm like, really, you fucking bitch? Just, you know? Just, really? Just do, yeah! Oh, my God. Who does that? That's tasteless. It is. It just, or I, that CBS executive lady who was like, she got fired, but yes. she was like, you know, I don't think they deserve sympathy because, you know, the m- most people listen to country music are Republicans, Republicans who tote guns. Jesus. <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? I mean, seriously. <laughs> Yo, that, and, Kathy, that Kathy Griffin seems like a real nice lady right about now, see? <laughs> and then what kills me is that people are like, well, she has a right to say that. You know, We have freedom of speech. Yeah, she does have the right to say that. Of you course work, she does. And whether I think she's a cunt for saying it or not, I will defend her right to say that because we do ultimately have the right to say anything we want here. But all that means is that you have the right to say anything and not get arrested for it. It doesn't mean that your job has the obligation to not fire you when they, you know, when they realize who they're dealing with, because they're a private company, they can do whatever they want, and if they don't want you working for them, that's their imperative. I mean, their imperative. That's their prerogative. And it's the same thing with Kathy Griffin thing. You work for an un- it's supposed to be an unbiased news source. So you, you say something like that, and something that insensitive, you gotta go. It's that simple. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just like, what are people thinking that they can just. Sp- about whatever vomit they want all over social media and there will be no consequences. Freedom of speech does not mean there won't be consequences from some aspect of your life. All it means is that no one can stop you from saying it and no one can arrest you for saying it. But, um, yeah, people can fire you for saying it. They sure can. You know, so wise up. So, uh, in short, violence sucks and fuck you, TV's Blossom, you fucking heartless bitch. You know? <laughs> man, oh man, TV's Blossom. But, um, we're done with our beefs, I think, you know, of all this good stuff. It was, it was all, it was, it's all, it's all good content, people. We're going to move on to the films we're going to discuss, which, you know, a lot of folks love Bava, you know, but before he, he, he made these, these beautiful, you know, these subjective, because I don't, I don't love all of them. But, you know, I think they're very pretty films, especially Blood and Black Lace. He made other kinds of films, and two of which we're going to discuss today. 
being uh, the Vincent Price vehicle, Dr. Goldfoot and the Girl Bombs, and uh, Christopher Lee's in this movie, Duncan. <laughs> Hercules in the Haunted World. Uh, and we're going to get into the, the very first one. I think this is the one that's going to be the most uh, hated amongst the two. So I might as well finish off with a high note. And we're going to do Dr. Goldfoot and the Girl Bombs first, right after this. Looking for something different in your podcast library? Then why not check out the podcast Under the Stairs? I'm the host, Duncan McLeish, and joining me each week will be a special guest as we examine some classic, old-school horror favourites, as well as some modern classics. That's not to say that we don't tackle some of the, let's say, more questionable entries into the horror genre. And if all that wasn't enough, we have a subset of shows called Baz V Horror, where our horror novice, The Baz, tackles horror in all shapes and forms see who will come out victorious. So what are you waiting for? The show can be found at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com and on Stitcher and iTunes. The Podcast Under The Stairs is a proud member of Legion Podcast Network. This is Duncan McLeish from Under The Stairs, signing off. Yes, it's Vincent Price as that tongue-in-cheek terrorist, Dr. Goldwood. It's an exact reproduction and programmed for love and destruction. A wonderful explosion that destroys not only my love bombs, but their victims as well. His master plan to master the world is seductively simple. But Fabian is one undercover man who doesn't miss a trick. There's only one single thing left between me and control of the world. And introducing Europe's newest and funniest comedy team, Franco and Ciccio, who get tricked by love bomb dolls. All the generals have exploded in a plastic fallout. Goldfoot is making plastic bombs disguised as girls. We've got to go to his villain unmasking. I want to duplicate her. Wild, wacky fun with Vincent Price as Dr. Goldfoot, giving love a hot lip. There's something going on, or coming off, every minute. Dr. Goldfoot and the Girl Bombs from 1966, which is a sequel to Dr. Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine. Uh, plot synopsis is this. Nefarious mad scientist Dr. Goldfoot once again plots to take over the world by creating female robot bombs specifically designed to blow up high-ranking generals of NATO countries. Goldfoot hopes that, that do, but by doing this, he will start a war between Russia and America. It's up to disgrace government of agent Bill Dexter to stop Goldfoot. Um, 
I'll, I'll start with our guest. Duncan, what did you think of the film, sir? Um, I think that I hate you for making me watch it. <laughs> Don't say that. That's such a strong word. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't hate you. I do hate this movie. Um, yeah, like to, it's difficult for me to put in, into words how much I love Mario Bava. I think he's, I think he's probably, I think he's getting the recognition he deserved now. But I think for many, many years he was probably the the biggest, um, one of the single most interesting. Uh, and forward-thinking directors, not to really be in the kind of lexicon of, um, of kind of movie reviewers and critics. I genuinely think he was pioneering techniques so far in advance, working with shoestring budgets and doing so much. And just generally, as a filmmaker, I think he had a really kind of playful sense of humour, which is definitely in most of his horror movies. You know, he's like he's the, he's the godfather of the. The Jally, which obviously was taken on by Argento, and really became the kind of the thrust of the kind of pro slasher. I mean, he was he was ahead of the curve on so much, but first and foremost, his movies are just really, really well shot and really interesting. Um, until I watched this movie, um, and I did some research because I was I, I was struggling. There's so little about this movie that actually feels like a Baba movie, except maybe the the kind of extended kind of chase sequence thing at the end which kind of feels like the the european end to black sabbath where you get to see um you get to see behind the curtain so to speak um of uh, bella lugosi on what you think is a horse but then when the camera pulls out you see it's people on a pulley you know like, <laughs> like moving this kind of fake horse and people are, it gets to let you see behind the curtain to how the movie's made and there's a lot of fun there's a lot of playfulness in that and maybe the end sequence of this movie kind of falls into that trap. Out with that, it doesn't feel like a Bava movie at all. And then I did a bit of, bit of reading around, and apparently Bava tried to move hell and earth to get out of directing this movie. Um, but the contract was really good, so he had to go through with it. And you can tell his heart's not in it. It's just a weird, weird movie. And I know like we were speaking off here, and you were saying um, that the first movie is apparently better. Than it is. Machine Leaps and Bounds better. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever watch it. I think this has tainted it for me. I think even if the previous movie is a little bit, I don't think I would give it its day in court at all. I just think it, this movie, it's I, I, I think it's supposed to be tongue-in-cheek and I think it's supposed to be funny. Um, I don't think it is, though. <laughs> um, not even in a, it's a camp movie, but it's not even a kind of endearing level of campness. Um I just, I, I really, I think this might be the first like Vincent Price movie that I actively dislike Price in. I don't think he's, I don't even think Vincent Price comes across as a likable character in this movie. Um, like, even when Vic Price is playing a villain, I usually can, yeah, it's Vincent Price. But and like once again, apparently he, like Vincent Price said, this you know was one of the single worst movies he ever made. So even he identified it and got on board with it. Um, apparently the two cops that are in the movie were a comedy duo which appeared in quite a few Italian kind of movies they're not funny didn't find it funny um, yeah there's an Italian cut of this movie which focuses more on them and it's apparently better I'll never watch it um, yeah I just there's yeah it's not often that I'm like kind of like a bit bummed out to realise that someone 
that I really like as a director managed to do something that I was not aware of that I really didn't like but yeah this is, this is one of those moments Gary uh, so thank you very much for, 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 for making me feel this way uh, <laughs> so crestfallen man I swear yeah I'll, I'll pick back up on the next review but yeah it's just I don't know I was watching I was just like I don't get the, and I, it's not that I dislike kind of campy 60s movies you know I, I, there's a place and time for them and I do enjoy some of them I'm a huge fan of things like um, like the, the Peter Sellers Pink Panther movies and stuff you know where you can get that right level of camp right right level of racism um, and stereotypes just that nice mix together where you know I will like there will be tears coming out my eyes with laughter um, this just feels cheap like really really cheap in a way which it almost feels kind of beneath Bava. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I just, yeah, I, I, I really thought it was a, a terrible movie. <laughs> I, I, I didn't pick it because, you know, I, I never seen it before, for one thing. It just happened to be mm. one that he directed that I've been meaning to catch as far as the sequel goes because I really enjoyed the first one. Yeah. And I didn't know it was going to be this, this uh, like like I, this. I will give you, I will give you this. Hmm. Um, I like to think of myself as a... Um, a completist, and when it comes to Bava, I am more uh, heavily weighted on the, the the horror stuff and the jolly stuff that they did. That there are um, like there are missing gaps in some of his really early stuff. Um, although I love things like Kaltiki, I think that's a great movie. So um, yeah, this was this was an opportunity to tick this off the list. Will I ever watch it again? No. Okay, uh, Jamie. Oh, bro, Jamie. Jamie, she's got her mute button on. I can tell. I'll shoot it to X. X. Oh, this movie's a hot shit mess. <laughs> I mean, fuck, this wasn't any fun at all. You know, leering Vincent Price is not the best Vincent Price by any stretch of the imagination. And I'm not trying to damn anybody with faint praise, but you know what? Fabian's no Frankie Avalon. Nope. So this just feels like a movie nobody prepared for. It's like they just walked on set and thought, I don't know, is there a pie fight? Or is we, we going to throw pies? I don't know. What the fuck are we doing? So It's so uh, bad it's making X's accent come out. <laughs> oh, that's that that is happening more and more lately. I'm I'm decided I'm tired of my region free dialect. I'm just gonna talk. <laughs> I never realized that was a thing. <laughs> Well, yeah, there's the radio voice, and then there's here's just how I talk. So, but oh. <laughs> I know I love else, it. I, I yeah, love is it. anyone I else erect right now? Kind of swooning a little bit. Yeah, I love it. I just never knew. I <laughs> wow. See, it's been cool. Prof- been professional all this time, and I'm fucking tired of being professional. So now, anyway, this thing's just it's it's got. You know, like the sped-up film at the end, and all of a sudden it's a fucking silent movie, and they're in a goddamn hot air balloon. What? And it's just so tired. It's a hot air balloon that catches up with a plane. I mean, just... <laughs> you know, I mean, Terry Gilliam did better animation on Flying Circus. This is just... This is like a yeah. really bad episode of Laugh-In. At first... and. No, first and foremost, the Fembots didn't need a goddamn origin story, so I don't even know what what <laughs> the fuck this is. But 
and it's not even a spy movie spoof like it's a, like the first one was like it's supposed to be this is more of a cold war spoof and you know what that shit ain't funny mm. so i mean satire maybe but not just this broad comedy like this thing wants to be but is instead just a fucking endurance test so yeah i like it fair right. enough jamie hello uh incidentally i did not have my mute button on i don't I had to unplug my microphone and plug it back in. Okay. I was over here just to talking. Um, <laughs> but, um, okay, well, here's the thing. I, um, I was very, very tired when I attempted to watch these. And right next to each other was the other movie that we're discussing. And apparently the first movie, the... The movie that we're supposed to be talking about was a little bit higher up in the messages, and I didn't see it. So I downloaded the two that were, or, you know, I got the two that were right next to each other. And uh, so I basically watched the wrong thing. And I figured out, I figured that out when you were going over the synopsis. And I was like, none of that happened in this movie. What is he talking about? And so while I'm watching the movie, I'm like, I thought this was supposed to be a Bava movie. Did he make this under a pseudonym if he did i don't blame him um but i was like what like this is not a bava film it doesn't feel like a bava film it doesn't look like a bava film is this maybe that's not the connection maybe i got that wrong are these well what could the connection be is it movies where guys are really sexist is it movies where guys like own women is that or you know like treat them like I, I don't know. Like, I couldn't figure it out. And um, not that I, I mean, this is the 60s, so I don't, you know, that was, that's just the way it was. Um, so I don't have any issues with that. It just, you know, time period and all. But it's hilarious to me um, watching how uh, this movie would never be made uh, today. And um, on for so many reasons. But I, anyway, so I can tell you anything you want to know about the first movie in this series, but I have no idea what happened with the bombs. Um, I'm I'm sorry, I missed. They up. bombed. They bombed. That, yes. <laughs> that's what they, I'm hearing. They exploded real bad. And apparently, I actually am the lucky one in this scenario because I watched the better of the two films. Yes. Um, and honestly, this one was, it was fun. Like I didn't have, uh, I didn't dislike it. It was, it was fun. And Vincent, it surprised me. He even seemed like he was enjoying being there at times, which I, when in the beginning I was like, oh man, he's going to be phoning this in. Cause it's just not, it didn't seem like it could be his thing. But there were several times in the film where he seemed genuinely invested and I, uh, to the comedy. And I thought that was, you know, that was cool. Um, yeah, and there were times when I just thought it was really, actually, funny. Um, but, yeah. That's a shame, because I was... Damn it, I actually wanted to see... Um, well, you can still watch it. It's still available. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know, I know. I don't think I want to now, um, <laughs> since you've all talked about it. <laughs> um, basically, did it look like a Bava film, though? No. No. Oh. All right, well, that was really my only curiosity, so never mind. So I'm sorry, guys. I didn't mean to let you down. I just did it wrong. And I thought, because, oh, and even when the title came up, like uh, the title came up on the screen and it was like in the, the bikini or whatever. That was, um, it was the Supreme <laughs> singing that song, too. Yeah, I know. Uh, when it was like the bikini machine, I was like, oh, this must be an alternate title. <laughs> 
they traded down. They traded down theme song artists pretty quick on this they one. They did downgrade heavily. Yeah, it was the Supreme singing it, and Frankie Avalon was in it, and Vincent Price was in it. Um, and he hijacks a cable car, which is fun, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it. You know, it was not bad. It was pretty fun and interesting, and um, and you can see where a lot of things later on have come from. Um, that I just. I thought that was int- oh, and the fact that um, the um, Frankie Avalon character was uh, was it double O and a quarter? Yes. <laughs> Which I thought was great. <laughs> ah, that was funny. Um, and then the chick with her accent, her constantly changing accent. Like every time you talk to her, she has a different, and they're all bad. Like all of them are bad. Um, but. Yeah, I thought it was funny, um, but it's not the one. So, apparently, people out there should watch the first one and not the second one. Yes, indeed, for sure. I did, however, see something at the end of this movie. I thought it said that Annette Funicello was coming in something in the glass bikini. Yeah, I kind of want to watch that. And <laughs> if you are paying attention during the, I think it's during the scene. It might be during the scene where they have the cable car, or it might be previous to that where he's they're doing the the. Uh, convertible thing but um there's a marquee a movie marquee and you can't see the top of it but you can see the bottom just the bottom line and it says glass bikini so i thought that was kind of funny because that was like clearly a nod to a film that had not come out yet that was going to be that was going to be coming out after this movie so i thought that was funny but yeah anyway there's that yeah my impression of uh dr goldfoot and the girl bombs is uh it's not a very good follow-up to the first film, but as far as the motivation in the first film of Dr. Goldfoot, which is basically making these sexy fembots, as, as you guys call them, that's all they are. They're, they're mechanical females, and and uh, they're after rich guys' money in that first one, I guess, so, so Dr. Goldfoot can finance his evil doings. I, I don't know. This one's more straightforward with, with you know, his intentions with his, his female counterparts to, to kill generals, to to start shit with NATO. So I guess th- there's that as a high point of this movie, that his evil doings are more motivated than, than in the first movie. It's just not as good. But, but um, yeah, those guys, those, those guys you, you were speaking of, Duncan, um, the, 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 the Dago, Martin and Lewis, Laurel and Hardy... Pick a comedy duo. The one guy was acting just like Jerry Lewis, so I guess there were more more Martin than Lewis. But um, they they were okay, you know, as far as like comedy, you know, comic relief, I guess. But um, they, like I said, not very good. Yeah, I love I love the part at the end though where they're they're in Siberia and they're trying to keep themselves warm warm with the hot water uh, pouches and you know, yeah, that that's that was funny to me. But the film itself is. A heaping pile of garbage compared to that first one, <laughs> and it is a heaping pile of garbage of a film. Like you guys said, it's just it's just like a big old mishmash of a film. You, like you got the parts where <clears throat> the guy played by Fabian, who I forget the guy's name because he's that forgettable compared to Frankie Avalon. That first one, and he's trying to get back at the good graces of of his his spy group and by by foiling Doctor Goldfoot and his and his uh, explosive female counterparts who are way less attractive in this movie than they were in the first movie. So there's a lot of downgrades in this movie. And, um, and yeah, the shit with the, 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 the chase stuff and the, with, the, with the hot air balloon, it worked in Police Academy 3. Does that necessarily work here? You know? It just... 
you kind of wish like the hydrogen bomb they were hiding on the plane was inside of them of the hot air balloon to give it like a nice little twist it's like wait there's real peril here we have the bomb amongst our hot air balloon but not really let's have these jackasses lift up a fan that's plugged into nothing and and, and let it go to, to to steer this thing hilariously but not so funny you know that that's it's just a lot of buffoonery in, in a movie that that other films have done it better, including Dr. Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine. So if you, if you need something to stray you away from that movie, don't let it be this film, because I think you guys, everybody should watch that first one. It's not as fun as a film that me and Jamie covered on, what was it called, Jamie? The, the Million Eyes of Sumeru? That also starred Frank Avalon? Um, was that it? I something that, like that. I think that yeah. was it. And that's, that's a lot of fun, so <laughs> check out that Frank Avalon joint as well. But this movie, yeah, that was that was that was really good. Yeah, this movie, um, like I said, like Doug says, it doesn't feel like a Baba film at all. There's nothing about it that would distinguish it from any other work he's ever done. I'm sure, including the western I haven't seen, which I think Kino picked up for a Blu-ray release. So that that's something for you to look forward to. I think uh, Baba doing a western that I haven't seen that could be either good or very very bad. But it's right at the time, right right in that sweet spot where everybody's making those spaghetti westerns, so it could be really good. Um... What else? What, what's what's the, what's the praise about this movie? Because it ain't much. I, I kind of like his uh, Fabian's bumbling boss. You know, he, he opened the door, he flew out the window. A L- lot, lot of physical gags in this movie. And, you know, they really don't land. Dr. Goldfoot himself is not as, as mischievous at all as he was in that first movie to where he would, like, torture his, 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 uh, his, his girl robots if they did wrong. Because uh, they didn't have the the guy hilariously sign his life away to this girl the right way, so he would torture them with electricity or like make them scrub the floor or you know <laughs> some shit like that. Oh uh, yeah, but no no fun no fun stuff with the girls. The the one the the first one had the, the fun stuff with the girls to where they're robots. So there was one, the the opening scene: the girls walking down the street, and she these bank robbers bump into her because she's solid metal. They fall down and. She kicks a car tire and it goes flat, and she gets hit by a car, and the car basically falls apart, kind of like in this movie, you know. But um, the guys, those bank robbers, shoot at her, and she later on goes into a, a bar and or a, a cafeteria and drinks a glass of milk and starts spewing milk out of the holes like a cartoon. Yeah, yeah, but nothing, nothing really about this was all that fun. I, I I'm sorry I broke Duncan with this movie. <laughs> You know, the second time I apologized for a movie in like three shows, so it, 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 I, I feel really awkward about this. Something's but, uh, going on, Gary. What's going on with you? I don't know. I just like <laughs> you're making be- questionable choices. Questionable choices. We'll have, we'll have better ones coming up. I promise. Silkwood, Silkwood, Silkwood. Yes, that's that's coming soon. That's that's a that's a that's a, a program that Jamie programmed. So if you guys see those movies, suck. Wait. Wait for the torch. <laughs> the torch is coming. But um, yeah, oh, yeah. These are all movies where women are kicking ass. So. Yeah, that sounds awful. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds fucking terrible. But this movie, if anything, you're in and out in about eighty minutes. So it's not like it it, it overstays its welcome. It'd have been better if it was sixty one minutes, I guess. And cut out a lot of that chase stuff in the end with the going to silent film and. That's very specific. The the 61. the the, the six, <laughs> oh, it's eighty one minutes. They could have made it sixty. They cut out twenty oh, okay. minutes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I, like, I, I like doing sixty sixty two point eight eight two five. 
you know, exactly. Like, I thought perhaps in your mind you had sat down and carved out exactly the parts that you don't want, and that left exactly 61. <laughs> I didn't make a super fan cut of Dr. Goldfoot and the Girl Bombs. That's something somebody would have liked this movie would have done, you know. Oh, like, but I, I didn't like it very much. And that that's, that, like, Duncan's crestfallen that he had to watch the Bob film. I'm crestfallen that the, the first film was a much, much better film. And this one was made by a masterclass filmmaker. And, yeah, you suck, Dr. Goldfoot. I'm going to go watch Batman episode now and feel better about myself. But, um, but uh, we'll go into scores now. Duncan, what do you give it? One to ten. Ugh. <laughs> Not even a score, just a, just a sound. <laughs> a scale of one to uh. An audible groan. Um, I feel like uh would come before one. <laughs> like, I maybe give it like a two. A, yeah, I think a two feels feels fair. Um, yeah, we'll, that let's go painful. with that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you didn't watch the movie, Jamie. I know. <laughs> Trust me. I mean, it uh, sounds yeah. painful for you to give it a two. You're like, uh, yeah, that's two. low for me. That's I, I don't <laughs> usually go that down that low on, on movies, but yeah, a, a two feels fair. Oh, X, what do you think, sir? Yeah, it's definitely a number two. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but what's your score? <laughs> oh, oh, also two. <laughs> The big deuce, man. Jamie, what's your what's what's, what's, what's your rating on Doctor Gold for the Bikini Machine? I want to know about that. You know. Oh well, that one was like, let's see, I'd say that one was like a six or a seven. Beautiful. See, we yeah, agree I, on that one. See, I had fun with that. Yeah. Oh well, my my score. I have to I have to comply with my brothers here and give it a the big old deuce, the big old uh high sticker wow. one. Wow. Yeah. Now see. You know it's bad and it's trending down when Gary is starting to roll with the low scores. Have you noticed this, X? He's like... If I give something a one, it'd be the upper decker, okay? You know, because it's... <laughs> that's the gift that keeps on giving. Well, let me put this, let me put this way. It's <sighs> like, in any possible scenario coming into this episode, if people have heard us say the words... Mario Bava and Vincent Price, and then would you would anyone have predicted like a general score of two? I think that's the thing that's I think that's the thing that bums me out is that. And yeah, we're, that we're is gonna really depressing. The, yeah, the next movie we're going to talk about, you know, Mario Bava and Christopher Lee. You know, what I mean, like, it's like so it's in this time period where these guys were doing a lot of this stuff, and it's just but, uh, memory said Vincent Price wasn't he a villain? in the Batman TV show. Yeah, he, he played, he played Egghead. He was Egghead. one of the villains. Yeah, like, a million times better than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just watch those episodes. I, I, I gotta ask, I gotta ask, in Scotland, do you guys know what an upper decker, upper decker is and, and referred to uh, fecal matters? Are we doing... Uh, no, no, I have heard of this before. Is this where you, you, you shit in the top compartment of the, yes. of the toilet so you're <laughs> constantly flushing shitty water? Yes. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah I have heard... I. It's not something that would be done over here, Gary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's not oh, so much. It's, it's, more of a, it's more of a revenge thing here. So, yeah, it's, it's, I, I've heard of the term, and I'm fairly sure an American told me it. So. Okay. And I was like, um, you guys are, you guys are like committed, like committed to the cause. The worst, the worst thing that like I've ever done to someone's toilet that annoyed me was we were really drunk and I poured gelatin, powdered gelatin in his toilet, so we went in to take a piss. It went everywhere. <laughs> 
just like hitting a sheer wall of jelly and just went everywhere. So yeah. And that one's difficult because not only do you have to, that one's a really bad one actually, because not only do you have to to, to uh, clean up the piss that's went everywhere, but you then have to find a device to scoop out the jelly before your toilet will flush again. <laughs> does, does this person have a cat? That's pretty mean. Because <laughs> then you're all like, set. Well, but <laughs> Jamie's like, well, that's not very nice, Duncan, is it? <laughs> Just going to take a um, note of that. Day one. Do not like Duncan. What's today's day? Um, Tuesday, 3rd of October. Start to see him in a different happen. light. That and gelatin. You could probably pee on me and I wouldn't I wouldn't dislike you. <laughs> Wait, that could be a whole nother show. I don't know yes. what that is. But, uh, can I feel happy that we reached it, though? You know what I mean? Kind of proud of the journey that we went on to get to. Oh, yeah, definitely. If, it, it feels like hard-hitting investigative journalism, for sure. <laughs> well, in this climate, it kind of is. <laughs> I'm right up there. <laughs> oh, man, before I get any more sticky and sweaty, not just from the weather, but from the heat of this podcast, we're, we're going to move on to some sweaty men in some sword and sandals and Hercules in the haunted world right after this.
Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try... They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All, sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Forboding place of no return. Hercules in the Haunted World. An unearthly world of eternal darkness. Ghostly kingdom of the undead demons of death. On these horrifying, hideous creatures of evil, Hercules and his friend must save their doomed kingdom and the women they love. Hercules wants something. He always wants something. But when I return, I'll never leave you again. This I promise you. Hercules and Theseus battle treacherous, monstrous forces of evil in the forbidden depths of a haunted underworld. The stone you are made, and by stone you shall be destroyed! I will serve you as your slave as long as you live. Save me, I beg Stop! You. It's a trap! Don't trust the shadows of Hades! Nefarious, fiendish Lyco, mastermind of terror, must be destroyed. Reg Park as the heroic Hercules in the Haunted World. Hercules in the Haunted World has an alternate title, I forget what it is though, on the version we watched. From Hercules 19... at the center of the Earth? I think so. From 1961, directed of course by Mario Bava, uh, plot synopsis is this, Hercules must journey into Hades itself to retrieve the magic stone, it's an apple, if you will, that will free his love from the powers of darkness, being Christopher Lee with a bullet. No, haircut. the stone and the apple are two different things. Yeah, they're two different things. I'm, I'm lost then, whatever, man. We'll, we'll get <laughs> he, needs the, he needs the apple to be able to get back out of Hades, but he's going into Hades to retrieve the stone. Is there dancing involved? I don't know. <laughs> like in like in the apple with, this, with Captain Mary Stewart. Oh, see, I thought it was going to be like a Streets of Fire discussion where you're trying to discover whether or not it was a musical. <laughs> no, that's that's another discussion that we had before. You know. I think there is romancing the stone though. Okay, so is, Dan- <laughs> is Danny DeVito in this movie? No. I wish. Man, be amazing. He plays a satyr. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Bam. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying, man. <laughs> this stars Reg Park as your titular Hercules, 
uh, Christopher Lee as King Lico, which is kind of a badass name, actually. Uh, and a bunch of, now, as these folks who watch a lot of Bava films, are any of these folks familiar with many Bava films you guys have seen? Are they, what? Familiar to any other Bava films you guys have seen? Because I'm not I'm a big kidding. connoisseur of them. It, not not Bava films, but like of, of genre films, like th- this sort of stuff, kind of the kind of salt and sandals stuff of the era. Yeah, fair enough. I'm gonna start with Jamie this time around. She she watched this movie. Yes, I did. What'd you think about it? <laughs> this was way better than I'm guessing that other one was. <laughs> I but I will tell you this: the one thing about this movie that stuck out to me was this is a Bava film. Visually, there is no question, no argument. I could walk into this movie halfway in and go, "Oh, Baba movie," and I would <laughs> I would sit down and keep watching it because it is unmistakable. I absolutely love him for if no other reason, and well, there are a lot of reasons, but the main reason is because I know no other filmmaker who can seamlessly go from beautiful, crisp, shadowy, black and white straight to vivid vibrant color and just he just walks back and forth between the two like nobody's business and it's you know because making a black and white film there's so much more to it than just taking out the color um it's it's you have to know how to work light you have to know how to work shadow and he knows how to do that his films have depth and they're i mean they're stunning I mean, they just will blow you away, or at least me. His color films are exactly the same way, but just, it, you know, he does it with color. And so it's it takes a very talented director to be able to just hop back and forth and do whatever he wants as far as those two mediums are concerned. And this one is just, I mean, oh, my God, the colors, it's so pretty. It's so fun to look at, uh, walking through Hades. I mean, even... When and like and most of the time, pretty much all the time, you know you're on a set. You know you know that these that um, the the surroundings are not real, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because you are on this journey and you're enjoying looking at it. And uh, I don't I don't hate the characters. I like the characters, so that's good. Um, I the one thing I that I was kind of thrown by was Christopher Lee and I felt, and that was probably because I had just seen, because I watched the other one first and I had just seen Vincent Price in that movie that was completely out of the norm of what I am, what I enjoy seeing Vincent Price in. And then I am watching Christopher Lee in this movie and I'm like, what the hell is happening? This is like some kind of weird alternate universe (laughs) where I'm watching my favorite horror people do weird shit. Um, and he, whereas I said there were a couple times in the other movie where Vincent Price actually felt like he wanted to be there or he was okay with being there, I don't know that I got that same thing from Christopher Lee. He never really completely felt invested to me. And um, I don't know if that's accurate or not, but it just that's how I felt or that, that's how it came across to me personally. But, you know, all in all, I enjoyed the film. I didn't fast forward through any of it. So that's usually a good sign. Because <laughs> a lot of times if there, you know, if there's like 
bits and bobs where I know that nothing's going to happen. Like I'm not going to miss any dialogue. If it's like an extended fight scene or a driving scene, then I'll just kind of hit the fast forward and visually fast forward through it, you know, just speed it up a little bit. Um, I didn't feel the need to do that here. So that's usually a good sign, especially for a cinema beef movie. So, (laughs) um, yeah, it was, it was not bad. It was pretty fun. Fair enough. X. Well, in comparison to the movie we watched first, this is like a Terrence Malick film. Um, <laughs> I'm not a big sword and sandal kind of person. I'm just not. You know, there's like maybe three or four I get into, and I, I don't even watch Game of Thrones. It's just not my thing. But oh. the thing I liked about this, well, the heroes look like heroes in this movie. And, you know, they're, they're fucking big and bulky, and the styrofoam boulders look like boulders and that's fine but like jamie said there's so much bava going on in this movie he just may as well have signed his name on each individual frame mm-hmm. it's beautiful and this is a cheap ass film i mean there's no budget here but the way that he composes his shots is just i mean you don't you don't need a whole lot of money to say hey move the camera here and then make this thing fall in the foreground while there's still shit going on in the background. And it's amazing. It's just it's it's great to watch. I think if there's anything that I didn't like about this movie, it's that, that they didn't use Christopher Lee's voice. Yeah, I mean, I understand the Italians overdub stuff just as a matter of course, but if you've got Christopher Lee, right? Why, why wouldn't you use Christopher Lee's real voice? That's you know, he, it. That's he, I'd forgotten about that. That's why it didn't feel yeah. right. Yeah, because um, it's not him talking. It wasn't him at all, and it just it was it threw the whole thing off for me. You know, because I'm looking yeah. at him, I'm not hearing him, and he is extremely distinct. They probably said we got him for two days. We we can't afford to pay him for ADR, so right, yeah. Right. That's it. But if I were him, I'd be insulted. You know, I'm fucking Christopher Lee. You know, if I'm going to move, if I'm going to move the lips. Yeah, back in '61, though, Christopher Lee was trying to do anything not to be typecast as Dracula. That's true. So, or any, sorry, not even Dracula. Anything that wasn't a Hammer. So, but it does feel weird because you jump forward less than four years and reappears in the whip in the body a Bava movie which is fucking incredible Um, and I don't think I think it's his voice that's in that movie I think he dubs his own his own own character in that movie so I I don't know if it was you know how much of it was a decision that was in his hands or not in his hands at the time whether it was like time constraints or not but yeah it's noticeable you've got you like you you like X kind of nails it when he says like that. The heroes look like heroes in this movie, and the villains Christopher Lee. That's all you fucking need. You know, what I mean, he's like the at this point he was the epitome of evil on you know on screen, and then you take away one of his most powerful attributes, which is the voice. You know, it's weird. It's a weird choice. Yeah, so that's that's about it for me. I mean, I kind of got lost towards the end because I can't tell those goddamn Greek names apart. Really sounds right. <laughs> Theseus was a dick. I figured that part out, but um, I don't know. You sit back, you watch Hercules kind of tear apart a perfectly good standing stone altar and throw it at fucking zombies and shit, so that's all good. Yeah. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. I dug it. Pull the tabula rasa on him. Forget. You know. <laughs> oh my god. The only reason I know what that is is because of Buffy people. That's the only reason why I know what that is. Ah, Duncan. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. Uh, so this is like this, like in the in the Bava like sphere. This is like this was him 
originally trying not to be we're talking about being typecast this was something he took um, like a lot of Bava's kind of earlier projects um, as, a, as a vehicle to, to get a chance to make movies um, intended like particularly in this, this time frame where you know this, this would be his second um, Hercules movies so he'd done Hercules uh, Unchained Unchained Unchained, yeah, which I think it's a couple of years before, um, and that was a movie that he finished. He didn't originally start directing on. He um, kind of inherited the project. He was uh, doing special effects, and um, he was the DP on it. Uh, so he kind of carried over doing that, and as a result of doing that, he was kind of allowed the opportunity to start doing his like own movies, so to speak, uh, which is how he landed Kaltiki and the Mortal Monster. And then ultimately The Mask of Satan, which comes you know, like just a year before this one. And when you see... and I mean, to me, he does one of the most iconic kind of black and white gothic horror films of all time with, um, you know, Black Sunday or Mask of Satan. Um, and then, you know, you jump you jump forward a year and he gives you this like really this kind of technical or acid trip um, and Hercules in the haunted world I, I kind of echo what um, Jamie and, and X say I think um, it, you know watching this movie you're already starting to see the very distinctive voice that is Bava behind the camera um, and he was it wasn't just like directing things Bava was doing like everything on set all the special effects, he was designing everything, he was crafting the shots well before people kind of knew what we were doing with that sort of stuff. And that's because that's the background he came from, was like visual effects, um, being born into, you know, a, a family of filmmakers, which is transcended on, obviously, his son and his son's son are all, you know, they, they all became movie makers uh, in, in the Italian kind of world. Um, I think... As these sort of movies go, it's kind of standard fare. Um, I think what elevates it is, is Bava's direction. I think um, Christopher Lee is is really good in it. I think it lacks a punch because we don't have his voice. I think we need that in the movie um, in order to give it a bit more of a punch. Uh, and it kind of feels like a missed opportunity. <clears throat> it's, it's quite interesting because the, the combination of writing and directing here between Bava and Prosperi... Uh, give us uh, the girl who knew too much just like a couple of years later which really kicks off Jalo as a genre which is like huge so their partnership on this movie on some level to me regardless what you think of this movie had these two not worked on this one there's a very good chance the girl who knew too much would never have been made and maybe Jalo didn't exist so whilst it might not be the greatest movie ever it's, it's I mean it's a decent Bava movie with, with some talking points but it's also the precursor to what I think is one of the most important sub-genres of European cinema ever so yeah for that point of view I would even probably give it points above what I would have given it just for that factoid alone <coughs> they could have it's given it a good Jalo title too if they'd really thought about it a golden apple for Persephone. <laughs> I was speaking of when you said when you said Theseus was an asshole. <laughs> it made me think of whole like they go through all this bullshit. She has him smuggle her on the boat. They live through this like typhoon uh, because she, you know she's like throw away the apple and that's their only way to just to make sure they get out. I mean all this stuff so Theseus can be with her. And then at the end she's like, well you know our love has kind of run its course. 
Yeah. I'm like, what? It's been like three days. (laughs) DC says, like, everyone has a friend uh, somewhere in their life that is a Theseus, right? So basically, Siri picked up on my phone. That'll be quite funny. Siri picked up when I said Theseus. (laughs) I was like, hello. Um, (laughs) Hello, Siri. It's the accent. Um, Theseus is like, everyone has a friend like Theseus who is just a complete dick. You know what I mean? Who constantly gets into trouble and causes, instigates the issues that you have to sort out. Everyone has a Theseus. Well, to be fair, you know, Her- Hercules' his whole motivation is to get his girl back from the clutches of, of Christopher Lee's character, King Lico. Mm-hmm. And Theseus ain't got no girl. He finally gets himself a piece, a little, little piece of a little slice of something, and Hercules is like, oh, maybe this is the wrong way to go. Hey, fuck you, man. You know? <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, Hercules at that point thinks that he's killed him, or that he is responsible for his death. Who, ca- you know? who cares if it angers all the gods? Who cares? You know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I just love her. I love her with that. Yeah, you know, I think it's run its course. <laughs> like, I get that you're a god. I get that you're immortal. You know, and time is nothing to you. But seriously, <laughs> we're done here. It's worth saying that the only, the only other thing of the only other thing of note uh, about this movie is obviously uh, is Reg Parks himself, who I, I think plays a pretty good Hercules, and had when he committed doing like bodybuilding and all the rest and winning God knows how many titles. Uh, is the fact that his transition in the movies was purely as Hercules, which was kind of short-lived. I mean, he did two in 1961 and they filmed them on the same set so um, Bava like basically stole the set from the previous Hercules movie pretty much the cast as well and just continued on I think he did about another two or three um, after that so he's done, like, he did about four or five of them and that was him so that was his short stint as uh, as kind of Hercules and like like X I'm not a big fan like the Italians really went all out and did like pretty much every subgenre of cinema they could get their hands on they, they took their turn at them, and I pretty much like all of them, except the sword and sandals stuff, um, until they go really goofy and start introducing aliens and stuff like that. So that's when they become a bit more interesting, or other dimensions, but this sort of stuff, I think, like to me, is always going to be dominated by, you know, the kind of Jason and the Argonaut stuff. That's the sort of stuff I like watching. Then. Well, that was the, those were the heavy hitters, especially back in mm-hmm. these days, which... The only real flaw against this movie for me is that there was just better stuff out when this came out. Yeah. And that's not a flaw against the movie, that's just a flaw about what was coming out when this was coming out. But the film itself, like, like it's itself, itself, <laughs> uh, like you mentioned, uh, Reg Park, who's, uh, p- played the character to a T, and I, I know it's not a real hard thing to play Hercules, basically a big old dumb brute who does, does, does like, missions and, you know, goes on quests and... In this case, Reg Park was so big that he, when you read that he did all his own stunts because they couldn't find somebody as big as him to play him, which 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 kind of makes you happy because he's kind of like the hero doing the hero stuff. Although X like like X said, he's throwing stone pillars that are made out of out of styrofoam, obviously. But um, you can tell he could probably lift something up pretty high. Like he said, he's a, he was a a bodybuilder, and a lot of these guys, you know, the Lou Ferrigno who played Hercules a couple times and. Arnold Schwarzenegger, who played the, in the hilarious Hercules in New York. I, I love that fucking movie. I, I don't apologize for that. You know, Hercules in New York, people. Yeah. Start spreading the news about that movie. But, um, yeah, the, like you guys said, the heroes feel like heroes. 
don't think you get enough Christopher Lee in this movie, even though his voice was different. I, I love uh, I love his garbs and his do though. His do is uh, a bowl haircut or something like that that you would never see him wear in any other film. But you know, it's either you know long or short. But that's kind of an in between. That was a nice change, I guess, for me. <laughs> him having that bowl haircut, uh, like you said, visually it, it feels like a Bava film. I mean, the the sets are beautiful. Even the silly stuff, the, the silly effect shots, looked like they were a lot of fun. You know, the the the, the flaming sky of Hades and the, the the bubbling floor and little goofy stuff like that. It, it looked fine. You know, he. I think the bubbling, <clears throat> the lava bit that when Theseus was sinking, I thought that looked really good. Mm-hmm. It was very cool. The effect itself was very cool. But whereas you guys don't like Sword of Sandals films all that much, the, the very first Diodato film that I didn't know was a Diodato film I seen when I was little was The Barbarians. <laughs> with the Barbarian Brothers and, and Richard Lynch and, um, of course, Michael Berryman with his, his erect horn on his head, you know, doing stuff. And that that still makes you laugh to this day when they, they're just acting goofy, throwing logs and shit and laughing. And, you know, yeah, that's a thing. I've always loved these kind of movies. Um, everything from like Clash of the Titans to um, Hell Spartacus, which had just come out like a year before this. I think Spartacus mm-hmm. was like 1960. Um, <clears throat> when I was a kid, I loved that movie. I I was crazy nuts about Spartacus, and mm-hmm. it's so weird because like what? <laughs> but I had a huge crush on Tony Curtis, and then I realized that. It, his character, at least in that film, wouldn't do me any good. Yes. <laughs> but, but it was way later when I realized that. When I was a kid, I had a big old crush on him. Um, but I always liked, um, I liked sword and sandal stuff. You know, if it's it, everything from, I don't know, I mean, just any version of it. And I've always enjoyed it. And even like the stuff that they show on like Mystery Science Theater, you know, mm-hmm. the really questionable ones. Yes. You ever show the sword and the sorcerer on the Mystery Science Theater? Albert Pune's movie. But the I guy, don't think so. The guy no. with, the, with the tri-pronged sword that can, can shoot a blade out of it, you know, and it never comes back again. <laughs> I that dis- seems useless. I, I dismiss Mr. Pune or anything, <laughs> but that's kind of a useless uh, caveat to that sword. But um, yeah, this film was a lot of fun and they're visually fun. Yeah, like the, the, the Hercules was doing a lot of stuff that you loved Hercules doing, like. Throwing boulders at zombies and fighting yeah. some big old rock monster, just lifting them over his head and throwing them. Which again, going back to uh, going back to Logan's Run, reminded me about as threatening as Bot was in that movie. You know, <laughs> and um, um, yeah, just yeah, everything you guys said about it, you know, was um. Well, I remembered another reason Theseus was an asshole, and I agreed with the X on that was because in the, when we first meet him, he's with this chick. And he's basically stolen her from this little guy. And he's like, he's all about this chick, all about this chick. And then he finds out that Hercules is going to this place where there's a bunch of women. And he's like, oh, well, hey, we shouldn't have any problem at all. And he just ditches this chick. And I'm like, well, that's kind of shitty. Well, then later on when he gets dumped by Persephone, and of course he doesn't remember because she wiped his memory. But then he runs back into this girl and he's like, oh, who's now with the little guy? Yep. And he's just, and he's she has agreed to marry the little guy, and then he's just like, "Oh, you're the girl of my dreams," and Girlie's like, "Oh, yay!" So she jumps off the horse and goes with him. I'm like, "Sister, 
<laughs> Stand up. What is wrong with you? Don't take that crap. He's not worth it. And like, I was like, what a jerk. And then the little guy loses his girl and gets tossed off a horse. Yeah, it was so poor thing. Um, he just, he was a goofy little character, but mm-hmm. he had a good heart. I liked him. You love those goofy little characters. Theseus was, was a dick. He was a dick. Yes, he was. I forgot about him stealing the girl back at the end now. Yeah, that was a dick move, man. Man, oh man. But I'll, uh, we'll go to ratings now. I'll ask Duncan. One to ten, sir. What do you give it? Um, I'd feel comfortable giving this, uh, six and a half. Fair enough. Maybe a seven. Okay. I had quite a bit of fun with this one. Cool. Uh, X? Well, I also will go with a seven. That seems right. Jamie? Uh, well, I was going to say seven, so I guess I'm just falling like, right in line with everybody else. I don't have a problem with that. There's that Georgia accent come out again, see? Just... It's fucking X's fault. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. I ain't mad. I ain't mad either. I'm a seven as well. Well, I, I'm more. I'm more like a three myself. My, I fancy myself a three, but the film is a seven. So there you go. But uh, yeah. Right after this, we'll move into uh, our final section of the show, which did. Uh, I'm. I'm. I'm having fun m- mourning these people, but you know, we'll be right back. And do that right after this. No, here's something we hope you'll really like. Hello, this is the Doom Show. Keep on keeping on and keep on trucking, America. We don't listen to our feedback because we don't get any. (laughs) The truth hurts. I just alienated the two people that give us constant feedback. Sorry, guys. That's gotta go. (laughs) That's gotta go in there. So on the show, uh, we talk about Giallo movies and slasher movies and cult movies. Sometimes we even talk about Cameron Mitchell and his movies. I am Richard. Who are you? I am Brad, the guy that's not Richard, or Jeffrey, or Simon. That's right. We have four people, and we always talk at once, except to each other. Jeffrey lives up north. Simon lives across the world. Richard lives in Penis, Alabama. Hello, This is the Doom Show is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Check out the other shows on legionpodcast.com. You can check out more Hello, This is the Doom Show at hellodoomshow.podomatic.com or at doommoviethon.com. Check for our Amazon exclusive Hello, This is the Doom Show cookbook. Do you like hot dogs? (laughs) We got them. Do you like mac and cheese? We got it. Do you like cheddar? We have it. Actually, we don't. No, no cheddar. Just Colby. Colby Jack. Hello, this is the Doom Show. We never gave up on you because you never gave up on us. Wow. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the planet Earth. How peaceful it looks. Your Majesty, will you destroy this Earth? Destroy it utterly. Send Rick and Danny in wool rocket Ajax. So, just destroy it? That's what Ming said. Don't you ever listen? Well, there's no arguing with Ming. Hail Ming. Wait! You see those transmissions on the visual screen? Crow? 
Nightmare on Elm Street? Chud 2? Black Belt Jones? Nightbreed? What's a critter? Oh, I've seen those things. Flash? I guess we could wait a while before the destruction. Yeah, and watch the movies. And talk about them. The Hell Ming Power Hour. Disobedience to Ming. For now. You can find us at Legion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. iTunes. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. At www. You know what? Just Google it for yourself. Just Google it, you bastages. Hell Ming. Breaking 2? Electric Boogaloo? Samurai Cop? Army of Darkness? Flash Dance? <laughs> <laughs> we might destroy the planet if it's Flash Dance. Now it's our least favorite part of the show, but uh, it's a good part of the show, where I get to berate uh, a childhood hero to some, a supervillain to me, Mr. Stan Lee, Justice for Jack Kirby, I always say hashtag that shit if you want to. People die every day, you know, but some folks hurt more than other ones because there were people in our lives that, you know, made a difference in our our psyches and made us happy. And uh, we celebrate them in the segment we call, well, that I call, Why Not Stan Lee? And I don't want to get too sticky about this. We're still talking about comic books. Ah! Uh, for first celebrity, I guess, I, I wouldn't call him a minor one, but he was a pretty big deal to me because uh, I've seen him way too early in the film called Revenge of the Nerds. Uh, Bertie Casey passed away while while we were away. And um, I know him best as Ewan Jefferson from Revenge of the Nerds. And, of, of course, his role in... I'm gonna get you, sucker. But you know, you you learn you, as as a film watcher and as, as you explore things as a podcaster that these folks were much much earlier in in things that you may enjoy. And he he did a lot of films that back in the '70s that I have not seen. Well, a couple of I've seen, but not not a lot of them. But um, I would say this is super super imposing dude, especially as you and Jefferson at the end were. You know, uh, Gilbert's trying to say his piece, and he's. Him and his army of black men stops the Alpha Betas and lets him tell, lets him say his piece. And I'm like, go nerd, you go, you and Jefferson. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask uh, Jamie, how do you feel about about um, Bernie Casey? I loved him. That made me sad. Uh, actually, Dave, when he did die, Dave Z reached out to me. Um, where he and there was like a group chat, and he's he's like, you and Jefferson died, and a couple of other people in the chat were like, who? And I was like, Bernie Casey died? And he's like, I knew you'd know who it was. Because, like, it's, no. That movie means a whole lot to me. But, specifically. But I just, I liked him anyway. He always had a really cool presence. And uh, just a very commanding presence. And, uh, you know, he was just cool. Like, I, even in this, <laughs> in this movie where they're supposed to be at, and well, actually, they're not nerds, I guess. But, um because they're questioning whether or not they want to let the nerds in, you know, they're just, they're, I mean, the, the music that plays when they start walking in is just cool. And that's pretty much how I've always seen him in anything. You know, he's just badass. Mm-hmm. Um, Duncan, I'll go right down the line here, brother. Well, sorry, I missed that. So my connection's dodgy now. No, we're doing our death segment. Uh, Bernie Casey passed away. Any fond memories of him in movies? 
Uh, yeah, he did um, the. Oh, what's the the kind of parody Bond movie? Oh, fuck. He's in the one that Connery got brought back in to do. Uh, was it Never Say Never Again? Never Say Never Again. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah, he's great in that. He doesn't have a particularly huge role in it, but he's really good in it. There we go. And plus Sean Connery. Yeah. You know, the best Bond. That's right, I said it. <laughs> not, not biased at all. Not biased at all, no. <laughs> Jeffrey X. Uh, Gargoyles was always the big one for me. Where he played the lead gargoyle. I mean, that's a TV movie, but still, it's pretty awesome. Oh, so that's the first time. I... It does totally count. TV movies count for sure. Well, you know, I just, I don't know. I just always thought that was a cool movie, and he was kind of like a sympathetic character, which you didn't expect. But I also liked him in Sharky's Machine a whole lot because I have a real soft spot for that movie. So, so yeah, those are the two I would check out if you're going to go. You know, oh shit! Now, I sh- now that he's dead, I should go watch all this shit. Well, I'll chose two too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, sh- I, sh- I should really write this stuff down. We talked about half already, you know, Jamie did, but you know, I'm sure we all have the same feelings that, you know, we, we have about half. But, um, one, a heavy hitter that, though, oh, God, this, I, I can remember as far back as I can remember me, li- me knowing what music was, but Tom Petty passed away yesterday, and I always said this segment's going to be reserved for whoever you want to talk about. And, uh, like I said, for as far back as I can remember what music was, I think I was like six years old, and my mother told me that I would dance to, I think I might have been like the second Wilburys album, and I got me a little taste of Tom Petty with that, and it just grew and grew as you learn you know, more about music and who all the truly great singer-songwriters are. He's he's near the top of, of the best ones, in my opinion, and I, 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 I found out, you know, when I went to work in the morning that he, he officially passed, and I, I, I had to take a second, man, that that was, it was a real rough time for me, and I just turned on that Wildflowers album, and I just, I just drifted away with Tom Petty, and, you know, just, that's gonna happen a lot now, I got a feeling, and then I found out that, that documentary, it's, it's four hours long, people, if you haven't seen The Running Down a Dream, the Peter Bogdanovich documentary about Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, it's it's a, it's still on Netflix, and I recommend uh, to go watch it. There's a lot of stuff that, a lot of home movies of of, of his early bands, and you you get footage of the Wilburys recording music and hanging out recording. And I like think right now that him and him Roy Orbison and George Harrison are just hanging out, and having a good jam sesh with a bunch of other people, and that that that's that's good for my soul. Tom Petty in general is good for your soul. So get a little Petty in you. It's all good stuff. Um, I'll start with an X on the end there, man. What'd you think, sir? Second guitar solo I ever learned how to play was the solo from You Got Lucky. So, uh, yeah, I don't really want to talk about it a whole lot yet because I haven't processed it, but I'm uh, not pleased. Yeah, this just happened, so it's I just one of those things where we're recording it now, and I got feelings, man. <laughs> and they're, they're good feelings and bad feelings. You know, the bad feelings is gone, of course. That Those are all the bad feelings. All the rest was good. But, uh, Dunks, were you, were you a fan, yeah. sir? Um, not the biggest fan. Um, he's written some classics, for, for sure, and involved with yeah. some music. Um, I posted on Facebook when the news kind of out yesterday. Um, there are certain scenes and certain movies that, that kind of stick with you, um, as, as kind of being the perfect setup to something sinister. Uh, and and to me, it's um, Silence of the Lambs, and you, you have a like Brooke Smith uh, singing American Girl just before she gets abducted by Buffalo Bill. Yeah, always stuck with me. You know, like she is like 
on some level just like portrayed as just you know like this average American girl, even though we find the later senator's daughter, she's this average American girl who's just this target of one of the great TV serial uh, movie serial killers. Um, I think it's just a great choice of song. Like even even her terrible singing along to it, it's just a great setup for that. Um, I think it's one of those really just iconic bits of cinema that just goes really well with with a song. And um, yeah, like I say, written a fair few songs that were really too. Yeah, it, it was a bit of a. I mean, the man had his issues with drugs. I dare say that may have led um, to what has happened with that. But in saying that. Um, all the best artists, all the best musicians do have those those dabbles and those demons. Um, and yeah, I think Bill Hicks probably summed that up pretty right. But this yeah, this year is uh, is continuing a trend which is making me very uncomfortable, very unhappy. Which is that we are all now hitting that age where all our heroes um, are are sadly passing on. And it is literally now every day I switch on uh, a social media, whether it's Facebook or Twitter. And I just dread because it's, it's getting close now. You know what I mean? Plenty of actors and actresses have died in the last couple of that didn't really. But every now and then, I'm pretty much that and it stops. So, and yeah, it, like Tom, uh, it was never that close to me. But I know that musicians that have passed that close to me, I know how that feels, and you can feel bumped because of it. And that speaks to them as musicians and artists, their ability to touch and make a connection with. So yeah, sad thing. Well, I had the same feeling you had. You know, where you didn't know a lot of the catalog. But, you know, you went back to it when Johnny Cash passed away, because yeah. my love for Johnny Cash really started when, when he started to record with Rick, Rick, Rick Rubin for those American albums. But, you know, you, you go back and you, you listen to the stuff that came behind it, not now. Me and Johnny Cash are, you, you'll see my fingers, but we're like this, you know, because I can learn most life lessons from Johnny Cash songs, you know. Your relationships, loss, you know, addiction, you know, whatever. I can learn most life lessons from Johnny Cash songs now, and it, it's that makes me. It happy. can take like twenty five years to build a car part by part. Yes, you build it one piece at a time, <laughs> and it didn't cost him a dime either. You know, <laughs> um, Jamie, what'd you think, babe? I'm building a hotel right now. Beautiful, brick by brick. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, this was uh, this was sad for me. I'd like to think that somewhere in that big smoky bar room in the sky up there that Petty and Dylan are and that they would and I'd like I like to think I always like to, to think that they would do this on downtime that they'd just be like hanging out together and they would have a voice off. You know, cuz you've got the <laughs> like you know um I just would love to see them just Doing that back and forth, you know, because that I think would be very cool. Um, for for me, songs that always I don't know there I would would make me turn the radio up a little bit higher are things like Breakdown, Don't Do Me Like That. Um, I, I just if it hit, I'm it got me all into it, you know. Especially while I was driving, I loved driving to Tom Petty. So. Yeah, I mean, it was um, when I first heard the news. I was actually in the car, and it was on the the radio. They said that he had no brain activity, so they had pulled the plug, and but he was still alive. And then I hadn't, I didn't hear anything else about it all night. And then, like early in the morning, when I was at work, I started seeing posts that he was dead. He was dead. And then I saw a post that no, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. And I was like, "What? What is happening? Did he actually die or not?" Because the last I heard, they just stopped life support. But um, 
So I don't know. But I, I don't know when it actually happened. But it was very sad. Yeah. Yeah, if I had an introduction to Tom Petty, I, I'd say, yeah, like I said, listen, just just dive into those Wilburys albums. And, um... Because the artist, the artist behind those Wilbury albums is, is uh, who, who was the original Wilburys? Jeff Lynne from ELO, George Harrison, Roy Orbison, of course, T- Tom Petty, and uh, I'm not the biggest Dylan fan, but Dil- Bob Dylan was in there, and it's like a wonderful magical stew of, of, of great musicians making great music and great fun music. And but yeah, uh, if you yeah, I'd, I'd say dive in. They're they're all on Spotify. I, I know most folks who don't advocate uh, digital music, but you know, but you know, check them out if, if you haven't yet. You know, I, I recommend it. But um, I'll go with that. And uh, but uh, we're pressed for time, so I'm I'm gonna end the, not end the show here, but I'm gonna ask Duncan. I'm gonna say to say thank you to Duncan for coming on the show and letting us break his spirit for a while. And uh, <laughs> with these these Baba choices, well, the Baba choice that he didn't like, but the other one he kind of liked. But um, thank you, my buddy. And um, th- my pleasure. It's always it's always great coming back on, and we do this every time when I'm like that. Ah, oh, yeah, I can't wait to come back on. We should do it really soon, and then another year passes. Well, no, uh, that, that's that's not gonna happen this time. I have a, I have an idea that that was still your idea if you, if you would uh, indulge me. Were you were you teased on one of your shows about doing CB4 and Fear of the Black Hat? Oh, I love Fear the Black. So, so if uh, you you wanted to uh. C- come on there and do that with us. We we can make it a good crossover, I think. Yeah, as long as I get to quote that movie incessantly while we're recording. No, oh, definitely. Yeah, I wouldn't have it another <laughs> way, you know. Yeah, th- definitely. I th- you just you just set that up and I'll be there. Uh, but, but, uh, yeah, thanks very much. And it's always a pleasure chatting to you, Gary, and the fantastic Jeff X Martin. And the I'm just going to go ahead and say it: the the best podcaster out there, Jamie G. Simons. Aw, look at you. I know, I know. That's what I do. That's why I love the guy. What can I say? <laughs> he lies to me. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I always love being around you. It's yeah, a good time. And, and, and shameless plug, uh, Jamie will be on Podcast Under the Stairs um, in the month of November, and we're looking at all Mike Flanagan's movies in the yes. entire back catalogue. It's going to be called Shiflanagan's. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. If people out there have remember when we did Micklemania with all the Jim Mickle films, it's going to be similar to that. Only actually a couple more because his, he, he has a slightly, slightly bigger catalog. Not too much, but slightly. because yeah, Mickle's off doing tea stuff now, so he's yeah. not doing the movies anymore. He's all up and happen Leonard at the moment. Yeah. But yeah, it's going to be a ton of fun. Can't Dun- wait. Duncan has a barrage of shows besides podcast or the stairs but uh anything happening with those other shows sir um at the moment the only one that is actually kind of consistently putting out content uh, even in saying that it's been a couple of the show uh, is duncan and bo go to twin peaks the returns so uh, me and bo this year have been going through started in february we've been going through the entire twin peaks uh, universe of of stuff um and we have just passed the halfway point um, we have about five episodes left, and then that'll be us done um, with our journey. And I will just say, I am, I am blown away by how well that the the first two seasons stand up. I think Firewalk with Me is one of the most underrated horror movies of the 1990s, um, and I think the new season of Twin Peaks is fucking awesome. 
Okay. Yeah, that sounds... I never watched it myself. I've never been fancy myself a big Lynch fan, you know, as far as anything, any of his catalog goes. But, um, hopefully it'll entice me to, to watch more of it. Um, Jeffrey X, what you got coming up, sir? <clears throat> All right. Sorry. I'm real excited about this. So, anyway... You can always find my sweet ass on this show and on the Theme Warriors podcast. What a sweet ass it is, man. What a sweet ass. Ow! <laughs> so, we put the food chain on hiatus for about a month um, just because, well, because well, there's a reason. It's because Kiss the Goat <laughs> has... <laughs> Kiss the Goat's going to release five episodes in October. That's right. Now, That's right. Yeah, now, now you guys have heard of the five people you meet in heaven, right? That book. I yeah. think there's a there's a movie too. Well, we're doing the five movies you watch in hell. Oh, that's exciting! So we're going to have a new show every Friday in October, and then a special Halloween episode that comes out on the 31st. And I'm not telling you what the movies are because I want it to be a surprise. But I'm really excited about this. We've got some new segments. We got um, we got another person doing some stuff for us. So it'll be a kind of a four person team. It's going to be awesome. So y'all listen to that. I know what the movies are. Shh, Hush. Everybody. Hush. How is that fair? <laughs> I'm not telling. I'm sworn to secrecy. What? How do you know? <laughs> Fuck all y'all. <laughs> I don't care. You know what? I'll find out because I'm going to listen. So there. <laughs> That's right. You show them, Jimmy. <laughs> I'll find out when you damn well want me to. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly what I like. <laughs> Just nipple clamps and diet Mr. Pib. That's all it'll take, you know. It's uh no, I'm just saying. <laughs> Continue X. What? That's it. Just don't you be talking about, you know, my anniversary this month like that. That's I didn't tell you those plans. That makes me happy. Nipple clamps and diet Dr. Pib. Mr. Pib. Nice. Mr. Pib's the only Coke I like. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sweet tea is the only Coke I like. Yes. <laughs> Jamie Simmons. Yes. I, I know you have stuff coming up because Ricky Morgan spilled the beans about that. Oh, yeah, he did. Well, that's okay because I did too on the latest Devour, which, by the way, will be coming out very soon. We have a new Devour coming out. We have uh, another new Skeleton Crew coming out. Well, we just had one drop yesterday and one drop last week that are Universal Pictures, the last Universal Picture films we'll be doing. And then um, somewhere in there we did a, uh, that should be coming out, we did a review of Leatherface. And we're going to be doing one of Cult of Chucky. So, I mean, we've got some stuff coming up. But, you know, that show is coming to an abrupt halt on Halloween. And that is it for the Skeleton Crew. And we mean it this time. Um other than that, there's an ABCs that I have been trying like hell to edit for weeks, and I promised Brian I would get it done, and um, so I'm going to try to work on that tonight and hopefully get that out soon because it has been way too long. And the thing that you are talking about with Ricky is a little show that I'm very excited about, and it's not a film podcast. It's definitely not a horror film podcast. It is a show that is all about the 1980s, and it's everything. It's music, pop culture, movies, clothes, video games, whatever. Basically, we just pick some topics and we talk about them and like our experiences with them growing up 
uh, in that time period. And it just gives us really an excuse to kind of go down memory lane and talk about things that I never get to talk about in any other show. So it's uh, it we have a couple episodes recorded already, and uh, so it should be releasing very soon. I'm super excited because y'all know Ricky. And you know how he is with production, and you know how he likes to get all fancy and show off. And um, uh, it's really, um, I think he's he's uh, really outdone himself with this show. It's, he's he's really excited about it. So he put a whole lot of energy into it, and um, it shows. So, uh, yeah, I'm very excited. That show's coming. So if you love all things 80s, and then get involved. If you have something you want to talk about or you want to... Um, you want we should bring up you know, let us know because there's a Facebook group page and um, it's a it's a good time the 80s were a good time for a lot of reasons and um, there were some not good things about it and we talk about those too but you know yeah that's fun I'm looking forward to it and me myself this little program we'll see right now this is this beautiful slash ugly baby you know it's going to be a podcast I'm so proud of him I'm here with this show and uh, two Jig Benham commentaries with Willis Snooty, Suzanne, and whoever else decides to come on that week. It's been, lately, it's been Gil record on Saturdays. Gil's been coming on, which is pretty great. Uh, sloppy sequel, uh, Sloppy Seconds, the movie sequel podcast, which can be found on the Orophilia Network. Uh, my new co-host, Tim Gross. I'm going to get that edited <laughs> sometime soon, hopefully, with the other stuff. All the stuff that's going to need to be edited. And uh, that, that'll be out uh, for you guys to listen to. That'll be a double bill of... Return to Frogtown, which would be Eric Bergstrom's one of his last appearances on the show, but not not he he's he's away, but not forever. He always has an open invite to come back on the show, uh, along with the Gate Two Trespassers, which is a film that I enjoy. Um, uh, besides that, I'm keep ramming this down your guy's throat like a Judas Priest song. You ram it down, get it? But um, <laughs> Fle- <laughs> Fleas and Flicks charity auction is happening December second and third. Uh, on the website this time around that X and Cootie have built, fleasandflicks.org. You gotta go on there, you guys gotta register. That is the only way you guys can bid on the items this time around, and I think that if everything works out, I think I'm gonna have some pretty tasty items for you guys to have to bid on. I already have some some good stuff yesterday. Uh, the lovely actress from that, that Dago Dario Argento's daughter, booby-loving motherfucker movie, Suspiria. They, he, they, she's in this movie, Jessica Harper. She donated a picture, a signed picture. It sent it to me in the mail. It's all beautiful, you know, and stuff. And that could be yours, along with some other great items. Uh, my friend's mother is uh, and my friend are going on the Kiss Cruise in like a week, and I might be getting something from the demon. So maybe a couple things. So if that turns you on... Finn Balor's on the Kiss Cruise? Yeah, that guy. That guy, too. Finn Balor, yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Tell him not to make not to make the devil horns while they're on that cruise, or he's going to slap them with a fine. Oh, he, he got rid of that real fast. That, that, I know. That, that I know. What a douche. <laughs> um. <laughs> not that I want to cynical, but it did start this whole internet thing right after the Greatest Hits album came out. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, no, I mean, you're that, that's not cynical when you're dealing with him. It's, it's yeah. just marketing. Um. <laughs> see, see I, I'm, I'm torn between that and... I'm sorry. I was going to say he knows what he's doing. Also, the Kiss uh, Greatest Hits album, not a horror movie. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> see, see, I'm, Don't I'm you tell me what a horror movie is. 
Yes, is it face. crap though? <laughs> See, I've torn between the you know, but his douchiness and my love for the film Runaway, which knows no bounds. You know, because all that mustache and Gene Simmons is the bad yeah. guy is a hint. Or never too young to die. I mean, yeah, come on. That's up there. Yes, but um, um yeah, that's happening. Like I said, fleasandflicks.org, register, bid. There's a donate button on there. If you guys just want to donate, you guys don't want to buy stuff. There might be some buttons involved. I'm not sure what else, what's all going to be in this auction because it's not over yet. I've got one more con to go to, where they got some pretty tasty guests there as well. And um, you go licking the guests again. Oh, I got kissing. Gotta go kiss that Linda Blair ass. You know, it, 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 it's got a schmooze. You know. It's like, uh, I don't like you, you don't like me, but you like the dog, so... How about it, Linda? How about it? You know. Does her ass taste like dog hair and pea soup? Possibly. I haven't tasted it, you know, myself, personally. <laughs> I haven't stuck the tongue on and took the plunge, but, you know... Ah! <laughs> yeah, that's gross. Um, yeah, that's what I get for Blumpkin. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I do... I should have mentioned who else is on this show. I'm sorry. I forgot to do that um, on the Dude Looks Like the 80s show. We're joined by Brian. <laughs> Salmons. <laughs> Brian. Salmons. <laughs> no, it was because I was trying to go, trying to remember where to go first. But And Billy from Scary Dad Productions. Or Scary Dad, oh, Scary Dad Productions. Scary Dad Podcast. Which, by the way, is a fun little podcast if you're looking for something new to listen to. But. Um. Yeah. Sorry. Mm, no, that's okay. I, I don't mind Jamie Sammons and my clothes out there, but that—that's fine. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh, it's midnight somewhere, and it's midnight at Duncan's house right now. So th- th- mm-hmm. this is the end of the show, unfortunately. But um, always remember here at Sin Beef Podcast, you got beef. We've got the grinder. See you guys next time. Yeah.